Yo, monkeys, it's me, TPP, the king of Adabing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion. And you, well, you monkey, you're with on the SNS network. Stay tuned or you will feel Big Daddy Cool Diesel slash Kevin Nash is listening on the SNS Radio Network. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA, and you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. This heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Hall of Fame, 2011, and you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya, and I wouldn't want to be here. Hey, you listen on the SNS Network, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. The world is listening. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. I'm mad as hell about these freaking whores who have pimped and raped and prostituted the sport of professional wrestling right down into the ground, right down into the gutter, right down into the circus with all the clouds. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. It's still real to me, damn it. What's you going to do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world destroy you? As I lock eyes with a warrior that has his face painted and the outer edges of his faceplate interlock with each other, then I know that that warrior is ready to make that sacrifice so that I shall live. Wow, man, freaked out! Limousine riding! Jet fly! Kiss Steven! Wheeler Dealer! Sacrifice! Woo! I have obtained the goals that many men only lay in bed and dream about night after night. I have wined and dined with kings and queens, and I've slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. You will rest in peace. And that's the bottom line. What? Just stone cold sensor. It's just a man. It's showtime, folks! Well, you know something, Gino? The new world order is taking over professional wrestling. Are you ready? I said, are you ready?
if you're not down with that, Dallas has got two words for ya! Do I have everybody's attention now? In anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. In my hands, it's a pipe bomb. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Wrestling News Live with the bad boys of wrestling radio. And you two jabronis don't even have enough class to introduce yourself? What is your name? Wrestling. It doesn't matter what your name is. Here are your hosts, the Trey Dog and JJ Sexay. All right, guys, good evening and welcome to another edition of Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps, Sexay. Good evening and welcome. It's uh, It's been an interesting week. A lot of things have been going on. We've got a packed show for you guys tonight. Right here on the program, we are scheduled here in a little bit to be joined by uh, TNA Gut Check Challenger from a few weeks ago, Joey Ryan. We're going to be running down some of the things that happened on Raw last night. Not necessarily a recap, if you will, but some things that Trey and I decided we wanted to talk about. Uh, I know Trey's got something very special planned as it relates to uh, the one and only former booker of both WCW and, of course, TNA, Vince Russo. And, uh, you know, we're going to be taking your phone calls and your emails later on in the program. But with that being said, guys, I'm not alone. Joining me right now via the Skype line, he is the host and founder of Wrestling News Live. The dog is in the house. Guess who's back? All right, boys and girls, time to thunder up and get your thunder on. NBA Finals underway. I'm blessed, I guess, in the sports world. If my Chiefs could ever make it to a Super Bowl, hell, I'd have a great year. I got the thunder in the NBA Finals. The Cardinals won the World Series. My fantasy sports suck ass this year, but my NBA team and my Major League Baseball team have done all right for themselves. But uh, that's not what we're here to talk about, although I will be distracted by the television. Have the buzzer ready to see how many times I call Joey Jerry. And when we get done talking raw, I want to talk a little bit about Vince Russo. And the reason I want to talk about Vince Russo is because I came across his new RF video, Vince Russo, the shoot number two. And if you are a longtime listener, when his first video came out, he had just joined TNA for the first time. So he didn't have a whole lot to say about TNA. Um, it was basically his WWE career up until TNA. And I think his WCW TNA career is where he's caught the most hell 
from the internet. And after listening to this DVD, um, he really puts a lot of things in perspective. And I think it's only fair that the IWC gets educated uh, by some of the things he says. Now, am I going to convince all of you that he's not the guy to be upset with? He's not the antichrist of professional wrestling? No, I'm not, because a lot of you will hate just to hate, and I'm coming to realize that as I get to know more of you uh, on a weekly basis. Um, I eliminated two of those problems last night. They won't be back. With that being said, I hope to change the minds of some of you, and if not change your mind, maybe educate you a little bit. Not so much that you need education, but that you might have your lingo messed up. You might consider one guy the guy to compare or the guy to bitch about when something was completely not his job or his fault. Um, so maybe a little education is due. And with that being said, hello, partner. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to hear your voice. Good to have one. I almost didn't have one last night. Another bonus of moving the show to Tuesday nights. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to say, you know, right off the top, uh, you're talking about Vince Russo. You've already convinced me he's not the Antichrist. I mean, wasn't Jeff Hardy the Antichrist? Yeah, but he's also the one that'll make you a motherfucking superstar. That is true. Uh, you know what? People are going to have different opinions of Vince Russo. I've never been high on the guy. I know that... Uh, you know, that he had uh, a modicum of success in the WWE when Vince McMahon was basically uh, approving storylines or disapproving them. Uh, you know, when you look at his run in WCW, I don't think it was very stellar. You look at his run in TNA, it definitely wasn't that stellar. And I, I, I want to hear about this. I want to hear what you're bringing to the table. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say he has zero fault. But I think when he explains why he was successful in the WWE and why he was not successful in other places. And the way he describes it, you're going to set back a lot of you, not all of you. I've already addressed that. A lot of you, not all of you. Some of you hate just to hate. Like my mom used to say, you'd bitch if you were hung with a golden rope. But a lot of you, I think, are going to take from this piece that you were wrong about Vince Russo. At least I hope. We shall see. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout-out to somebody. Uh, I received in my mailbox today from uh, one of our listeners, Mike Casalina. I received an HBK action figure, so I want to thank Mike for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's going to go right here in my studio. I think I might might find that angle figure I got running around here and have HBK super kick him on top of the computer. I'll take a picture, and, you know, it's part of my studio setup now. But uh, I was going to say, I don't, I don't get presents like that. That's not cool. Well, you know, he told me that he wanted to send you a sting, but he doesn't have a sting, you know, to send you. So, you know, but uh, but I do want to thank Mike for sending that. I, I, I very much appreciate that. Just the little things. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, I've got a couple of listeners that have contacted me, and uh, and I won't say I don't get gifts because I have in the past. I've gotten some and I can't remember who sent them off the top of my head, but I'm going to feel bad now because they're going to say, well, why the fuck did I send them if you can't remember who I am? But uh, Somebody sent me a stack of DVDs that were all shoot DVDs a long time ago. That's where I got the Vince Russo Volume 1, as a matter of fact. Um, but uh, I've gotten DVDs. I've got an autographed Stone Cold Steve Austin. i got an autographed Shawn Michaels picture. Um, what else have I gotten? Let's see. I got listeners that are 
in the process of getting me some uh, Velvet Sky memorabilia autograph. So talk about a listener jumping right to the top of my favorite list. Oh, wow. So, but we'll see. We'll see how it happens. But congratulations, and uh, I'm glad you got your Shawn Michaels. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it's been a crazy day. Um, you know, Harmony got it the package. <laughs> Harmony got the package in the mail today, and again, I want to thank Mike for that. But we also have uh, roofers on top of the roof right now. So if you hear any like loud bangs, it's not thunder or lightning. It's it's literally roofers on top of my roof. They say they'll be done tonight. But uh, I, there's major stuff going on here. We, we've had to we've had to replace the roof. Uh, the city came by yesterday and told me that they were going to be doing the sidewalk in front of my house. It's been fucked up for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years now. I've only lived here six, and it, the whole time I've been here, it's it's been messed up. It's been, like, caved in. So a couple of years ago, they decided to come by, and they were going to, like, spray paint the lines, and they were going to work on it, and they never did. So they came by yesterday, spray painted again, and the guy says, I need you to park your car for the next three weeks on the street. And I, I kind of mm -hmm. got mad. I'm like, what? So you want me to have my car out in the middle of the street so that they could get broken into or whatever for three weeks? I said, I don't mind a couple days, but I'm not putting it out there for three fucking weeks. Well, you can take it up with the city. And I said, oh, don't worry, I will. Because <laughs> I got two cars. And they get vandalized, I'm be pretty pissed. Exactly. So it's, it's just been weird, man. All kinds of construction going on. There's houses around me being tore down. And, you know, like people are starting to rebuild. It, it's just it's, it's a crazy time on my block. Well, it's been a busy day for me also. I'm in the process of selling my car and buying a truck and uh, was dealing with that all morning. And then I came home and started working on the show and getting things ready. And uh, I had to deal with drama this morning, but we'll, you know, neither here nor there. But uh, just been a busy day. And now it's time to uh, get on with the show. What do, you, what do you say we talk a little raw? Let's talk a little raw. Which I guess was a lot of raw because it was three hours, but uh, a lot of fluff and a lot of commercials in the first hour with one or maybe two matches. You know, I mean, it was kind of a wasted third hour. But I will say, from what I I read, and I don't have it in front of me exactly. Um, the second two hours, the normal two hours of raw, drew a great rating. Well, you know, it's funny to me. Um, you know, you guys in, in the states. I take it for granted. You guys actually get to watch Raw as it's happening live. Right. Here in Canada, I don't get that satisfaction. I mean... Yeah, blew me away. We were talking, and I was so already past Raw, and you were just now getting the third hour. Yeah, see, I mean, the way it's always been, now that it's on the score, uh, there's a 15-minute delay. Now, with that said, the show usually airs from 7.15 to the overrun, which is usually about 9.30, my time. Okay, Mountain Standard Time. So... Now you add the three hours, they're not going an hour earlier. So I am literally an hour and 15 minutes behind you guys when Raw starts, watching it on TV, which is another reason I wanted to facilitate the move because I knew that when they did this, they weren't changing the time. Right. And, which would uh, suck for us to uh, be doing the show and you actually watching at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I, you know what though? I mean, watching Raw last night, I, I actually did pay close attention. I, I kind of felt like it was a little too McMahon heavy, and I know that uh, there was a couple of websites reporting that there were two scripts that were written for the show. Mm -hmm. One was very McMahon heavy, and the other was not. And it, it appears to me that they went with the McMahon heavy skit. 
Well, we had to have McMahon dancing with Brodus Clay's dancers to somebody call my mama. Well, and we had to have Vince McMahon do the obligatory, you know, uh, basically stick his cock in JR's mouth by making fun of the guy. I mean, seriously, why is it every time Vince McMahon seems to make his way on television, he has to fucking belittle the fact that a guy who's been in this business for a long time and, and quite frankly, is one of the most beloved uh, personalities in this business, and he just seems to feel the knack to make fun of good old JR. It just it gets on my last nerve. You I, know, it tells me that JR has got to be a pretty good old boy to put up with that. He's shit. either a pretty good old boy or. Are there, are there, he's either a pretty good old boy or they're such good friends that, you know, it's kind of the, you know, they rib each other thing. We just don't get to see JR's ribbing events. I don't think so. I think Vince just has a has a, a problem with Jr. And every time he gets a chance, he likes to go out there and make an ass out of Jr. You know. Well, he made an ass out of himself last night trying to make an ass out of Jr. I just. Me. I don't know. I. It is what it is. I just I felt like it was way too Vince McMahon heavy. You know, Harmony and I talked about this the other night. Anytime the ratings dip, Vince McMahon has to come on TV and he's going to save the company. And to me, I mean, having him on the whole show, you know, doing the call my mama, dancing with the girls, doing the shit with Hornswoggle, making fun of Jr. You know, to me, that's not saving the show. That's just making it worse. It, it just it didn't appeal to me. I mean, I know that people were, well, were, were happy to see Vince McMahon last night. Me personally, I didn't care. I mean, it's like, look, he got to come out at the first of the show and said, yep. Yeah, job evaluation tonight we'll see what happens at the end of the show and you might have seen him once more in the back talking to somebody but the constant all night vince mcmahon vince mcmahon match 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 vince mcmahon uh segment backstage vince mcmahon vince mcmahon match it, it just again it, it and how did he get control of the company again when did that happen have i slept since then yeah, I don't know. That that confused me also, but I I mentioned that going into the show. Um, it's funny because WWE feels like every time they go through, uh, and, and you can just about set your watch to it, anytime Russell Zone, Russell View, P. Windsor, those sites, headlocks to headlines, they report a low raw rating that, that makes the WWE's butthole pucker. You can bet that within the next two to three episodes of raw, Vince McMahon is going to be on the show. And that's just the way it's been since the beginning of, of raw. Um, it happened again recently. Their rating dipped. It dipped very low. And again, because I think they were going against the NBA playoffs and, and, you know, their product's just been shit lately. But their rating hit a low, lower than it's been in a long, long time. And like clockwork, we got a three-hour Raw with Vince McMahon last night. And i got to be honest, man. If this is going to be the uh, how every three-hour Raw is going to be, I don't know that I'm interested in watching the show anymore. I, I mean... Again, there were a couple things last night that I I really enjoyed. I mean, I thought that they did a good job with Dolph Ziggler. I love the fact that he pinned Jack Swagger and eliminated Swagger from the match. Uh, then it was down to him and Christian, and then of course he got the win over Christian. You know, so now he's going to be the number one contender going into No Way Out uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship against Sheamus. 
And all I read in the chat last night was, oh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the start of, of Ziggler's push. And he's not going over the pay-per-view. I mean, no, I, he's I would not. Be... Swagler's going to cost him his chance at the title, which exactly. is going to set the two of them up. Exactly. I would love to see that happen yeah. because when you look at the uh, the veterans right now, I mean, you've got Alberto Del Rio, who's hurt, is going to be out for a while. Uh, Randy Orton suspended. I don't, at this point, when Randy Orton comes back, I don't even think that he's going to be a main event guy anymore. I, I, I'm telling you, I'd be surprised if he has a job in six months in this company. Um, so, you know, where do you go from there? You got Mysterio, who's still suspended. Uh, you know, I mean, now is the time with all these big names that you've had in the company for all these years. Now is the time to go ahead and start elevating that new talent. And you could make the argument that, yeah, well, Sheamus is the new talent, but he's been the new talent for the last two years, and they've been elevating him. It's time to elevate a guy like Ziggler. Or, you know, I mean, you just you need to make new stars because your older crop, there's problems here. Well, it's definitely time to pull the trigger on, on Ziggler, I think, for sure. Um, I think Lord Fatass is done. He went from being a monster to a jobber to the stars in no time. Um, he'll win his mid-card matches against guys he's supposed to be, to win over. But I think, you know, guys like Cena, Sheamus, you know, your major players, he's going to be just fodder for them from here on out. Um, you know, there was – I won't say that Raw completely sucked because I didn't think it did. I mean, for the most part, I'll be honest with you, I was entertained as a fan. I had a good time watching the show. But, you know, it wasn't – I wasn't sitting here breaking it down segment by segment because I, I refuse to do that anymore because that just takes the fan of me out. And, and you know, yeah, I realize I got to commentate on this and break it down for you on the show on Tuesdays, but I'm not going to sit – I'm not going to sit here and critique each segment because if I start doing that, then I'm going to get out of this business because well. – you know, it just makes the it makes the sport no not not fun for me anymore. Well, I mean, you know, don't take me don't take me wrong here when I say that I'm not trying to critique every segment. Um, but you know, since we are covering Raw without Bronx tonight, I am giving you what I liked and what I didn't like. Right. Um, I'm not talking about you. Okay. I just I want to make I'm, sure that we're there. I'm just saying, you know, I was entertained by the show for the most part as a fan, just sitting back doing what I was doing while watching the show. And I was busy doing two or three other things all at once, but uh, I thought it was entertaining from a fan standpoint. You know, it was you know a lot of funny things, a lot of fun stuff. Um, to me, it is just what it is. It's still the same. It's still the same show, same dog and pony show. It's been for I don't know two or three years to me now, and it's because there's uh, it's main event. A couple side stories and a bunch of bullshit to get you from A to B. That's all it is. Now, I do want to say this. Um, the things that I did enjoy last night, um, I really like the direction of going with the big show. But my problem with the big show is that once No Way Out happens and he loses to John Cena, big show is probably going to be the big goof again. Um, you know, I thought about this a little bit last night. And we've been saying this for several pay-per-views, but because they put this one in a cage and gave it a variable, there is a small chance. Now, it's a small one, but there is a small chance that, you know, Cena could win this match, 
but Big Show could leave him hurt so bad he has to take some time off. It's probably not going to happen. Probably not. But I think with the steel cage aspect of all this, I think you add that variable to this match, and I think it leads. Uh, it, it just to me, everything points to the Big Show. I mean, John Cena can win this match and lose this match, and it doesn't affect him. But you've made the Big Show a monster now, and if you beat him in this match, then he goes back to just being a fat nobody. Exactly. They can't. They can't afford that with their roster right now. He's got to hold some clout. I agree, and I mean, I know that I've heard rumors at SummerSlam it's going to be Punk and um, it's going to be Punk and the Big Show. We don't know if the title is going to be involved. If Punk's even going to have the title at that point, so one would lead you to believe that that's the case. Now, I could see a situation, and they've kind of done this before with I think JBL and the Big Show. I could almost see a situation between Big Show and John Cena at the pay per view this Sunday where Big Show chokeslams him through the ring, and as Big Show takes his time trying to walk out of the cage, John Cena pulls himself out from under the ring and crawls to the outside. The referee sees him and says, oh, well, his feet touch the floor first. He wins the match. I could see that, and Big Show wouldn't look weak. Right. They're going to have to be real careful how they go about this. I agree. I I agree. Uh, But I do like everything they've done with the Big Show. Uh, except, except the ending last night where the big show decks Vince McMahon. Now the first camera angle, if you watched it, he fucking missed him by about a foot, but Vince took it like a champ. He sold it great. And then they showed a different camera angle from the other side. Um, like from the, from the reverse side where it really looks like big show pops him in the top of the head. But in all actuality, he literally missed him by a good foot. Like it was and ridiculously bad. I think, I think where they're going to go with this is that Vince is going to have amnesia. That's possible. Uh, until he gets his memory back, and then he fires Laurinaitis and makes life hell for the Big Show. Oh, and and that could be the direction they're going. Um, something that I enjoyed last night, but I kind of felt like they ruined the surprise. Uh, was Vader showing up? I, I you know. Again, I'm a huge Vader mark, even though I think the guy personally was a douche when I met him. Uh, still a Vader fan. Always have been. Um, it was nice to see Vader in brand new. I'm, he's never worn that outfit before. I mean, you can watch that match over and over again and look at the outfit that he was wearing. Mask and everything. That was all brand new stuff, folks. Uh, so it was nice to see, uh, you know, a.k.a. Leon White, Big Van Vader in the ring last night. But to me, he Slater ruined it. You know, when he came out there and started cutting the promo, it's Slater time, it's Slater time. If you didn't know that Vader was coming out after him saying that, then, you know, you're obviously not an old-school wrestling fan. I just felt like they took took the surprise out of it with the Heath Slater promo, which was was awful, by the way. That guy shouldn't ever talk. No, he should just he should be the guy that just looks up at the lights and fucking puts people over. Hey y'all, I'm a current WWE superstar right here. I'm, I'm the, the rock man. I'm the one man rock man, y'all. No, no, he was just the rock man last night. He can't figure out if he's the one man rock band, the one man southern rock band, or the rock band. Well if he's gonna he be the, figure it out yet. If he's gonna be the rock band, he needs to come out with a fucking rock band guitar around his damn neck. Something. I mean, come on. Call Lance Hoyt and see if you can borrow his. <laughs> they used to have a Wild Stallions faction from Bill and Ted. Whoa, <laughs> Wild Stallions rule. 
Excellent. <laughs> Party time. Slater's world. Slater's world. Slater time. Slater time. <laughs> and then speaking of promos. Pornos. Yeah, pornos. Uh, will be much more interesting than what we're talking about. Speaking of promos, I, I I just can't get behind John Cena's promos. I'm I'm sick of the wacky John Cena character. One minute he's wacky, the next minute he's serious. He's wacky. He just uh, again, I, I just don't like John Cena. But... You know what it's like? It's a it's it's like a promo coming from a guy who knows he's got the company by the balls and he's never gonna lose. You know what I mean? He can go out there and say whatever he wants. I went up this morning and had 16 bowls of Fruit Loops and got ready to wrestle the big show. And the crowd's going to love it. Or they're going to hate it no matter what. He's still going to win. That's why his promos suck. I'm telling you, now is the time. He's been in this business, what? He's been in the WWE for 10 years now. He's been force-fed down our throat for about the last nine and a half. I think now is the time that you utilize John Cena. You take him out of the title picture, which they have. And you start elevating people off John Cena. You make him a special attraction. You make him a big deal still, but you start, you really start phasing him out as the guy. I will tell you this. It doesn't have anything to do with my Vince Russo piece that we're going to cover. But for those of you that want to get the DVD, it is a three hour plus shoot DVD. And towards the end, Rob Feinstein asked him, uh, if you were booking Rock Cena, what would you have done? And he says, man, with John Cena right now, and he goes, I don't watch every day. He goes, I don't watch every Monday, but when I flip through the channels and I catch their product and I tune in for a little while, this is what I would have done. And he says, who's to say they didn't approach The Rock with this and he didn't reject it, but I don't know. What I would have done is I would have had The Rock much more humble you know, yes, I did go to Hollywood, and yes, I did go to make movies, and yes, I did go to further my career. But, you know, if it wasn't for wrestling, I would have never gotten there. So between making movies, I'm trying to catch up on my Raw to find out who the torch has been passed to, and I see it was passed to you. You know, I see you're the man here. And to have him just real humble, I didn't have Cena turn on him and go heel. That's what Russo said. And he said uh, that would have been a much more bang for their buck. But he said that's not going to happen. And he was right. It didn't happen. No, he's right. He's absolutely right. I'm being asked in the chat room. Uh, we're both being asked, actually. What were our thoughts on R-Truth getting knocked out by the Big Show and the Kofi uh, Big Show cage match? Um, you know what? I, I thought Kofi stepped it up last night. And I love the fact that uh, you've got R-Truth getting interviewed in the back. And he starts talking about John Cena and the big show, and the big show just lays him out. I mean, just, I mean, just as JSK would say, you know, there, there's a golfer named Jasper Parnovic, a real life professional golfer, and JSK could never say his name. If you put a loaded gun to JSK's head and said, "I'm going to shoot you in five minutes if you don't say the guy's name," JSK would have been shot in the head because <laughs> there is no chance in hell he would have ever got it right. He always called him Pasternak. And so when we'd play Tiger Woods golf and he'd hit a good shot, he'd say, I Pasternak the fuck out of that one, didn't I? <laughs> That's funny. And so as a running joke between us, anytime you hit something hard or hit something well, we called it Pasternakin'. So in the words of JSK, our truth got Pasternak last night. 
I mean, he pastored to act the shit out of him. And if you watch the replay, he barely even blinked before the, the punch came in. That's true, he did. He sold that very well. He took it very well without advertising it. And whatever the noise was, because the noise wasn't Big Show hitting Truth, because if that's the case, he would have knocked him the fuck out in real life. So whatever show hit to make that sound, they nailed it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. And I was really impressed with the, uh, the fire that Kofi had last night. You know, talk about a guy who's just snake-bitten for fucking partners. You know, truth, here he is with a broken foot now. Is that what I hear? I'm, I'm hearing something like that, yeah. You know, there's a chance they're going to give up the titles at the pay-per-view because of it. Well, you know what? With Randy Orton in the doghouse, maybe it's time to go ahead and give Kofi a push. Maybe. And you know, another thing about this Russo thing that doesn't have nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. Um, I, I, I watched the whole three hours of the DVD. It's a shoot DVD. One thing he would not comment on is Dixie Carter. He would not say a bad word about her. He would not get into anything that had to really do with her. He tried to stay away from that, which I thought was cool. Because of the questions that were asked, you'd have to see the video to know. But uh, one of the if you watch the whole thing, you kind of get a vibe like Russo knows hmm. something that we don't. And this is a current shoot. It's just happened. And, you know, he talks about how if wrestling doesn't change within the next year, it could be gone completely. You know, he talks about TNA may not be around for another year if they don't change some things. He talks about, you know, how he says, I have a plan that if either company came to me and said, we want you to go with it. You have carte blanche. It's all yours. He says, I have a plan that would fix wrestling, period. And would make it the boom that it was before. But he said, I'm not going to tell you one thing about my plan because I'm not giving that away to anybody for free. Um, yes, he does address Jim Cornette. Uh, very in-depth. So th- he's saying that he has a plan that will save professional wrestling. Yeah. He says he has wow. a plan in he has a plan in mind using he doesn't say which roster of superstars. But he says he has a plan in mind that with wrestling the way it is today, he could fix everything and make it what it used to be. Now let me ask you, this is the same just correct me if I'm wrong here. This is the same Vince Russo that went to WCW thought that Jeff Jarrett was a main event draw, put the World Heavyweight Championship on him. This is the same Vince Russo that turned Booker T into The Rock. This is the same Vince Russo that took, what was it, Brad Armstrong and called him Buzzkill and made him the road dog Jesse James. I think when you listen to this, you'll be surprised at what you think you thought you knew and what is really the truth, at least according to Russo. This is the same Vince Russo that thought it was a good idea to take Jim Ross and make a character called Oklahoma using Ed Ferrara. Uh, Again, I I think you're going to be surprised. This is the same Vince Russo that gave Hooventude the juice gimmick, where he thought he was the rock. I don't know. What I was getting at uh, about the whole thing is, 
they asked him if he were to start a company on his own today and he could draw one superstar from either brand, what superstar would it be? And uh, he said, without a doubt, Randy Orton. And he said, because he's believable. You know, he said, he's one of the guys that when he comes out, you look at him and go, man, I wouldn't want to piss that guy off. But at the same time, there's guys that have been given a push. And I've said the same thing where I look at them and I go, man, I'm not scared of that guy myself. If I, if that guy pushed me in a bar, I'd punch him in the fucking mouth, you know? But he said, Randy Orton is not one of those guys. He said, you wouldn't want to piss that guy off in a dark alley. Well, you know, I, I, I got a theory that within, within about a year, <laughs> Randy Orton's going to be the cornerstone of TNA wrestling. Maybe. I, I'm telling Maybe. you. I'm telling you. I think that's the direction that's going to happen. Kurt Angle's going to be moved over to the side and be like, hey, we're pushing Randy Orton. Because I don't think he's going to be with the company much longer. I really don't. I want to get this out of the way before our guest comes on. If he calls. If he doesn't call, then we'll move on without him, but. Well, yeah, yeah, because because I do want to say he's double booked tonight. So I, you know, I, I didn't realize that till uh, this afternoon when someone mentioned that you know he was posted for another radio show that started the same time and, as ours. And, I, and I've been I've been told where, where did this show come from? It starts the same time as us. When did that fucking happen? I thought we were, you know, that's one of the reasons we did this. Well, apparently there are shows on Tuesday nights. We just didn't do our our research or our homework, which is fine. I don't care. I'm not I'm not in the market to put a radio show out of business. We just decided to move because it was beneficial to us to move to Tuesdays. I'm not looking, I, you know, if somebody feels butthurt that we have taken over their time slot, too fucking bad. Do your show, we'll do ours, and we'll move on. I don't really care. But well, I've been, I've been assured that there was no shenanigans in booking this guest, and, you know, there wasn't, nobody was trying to, to undercut us. Right, but right. Um, by the same token, I think for Crowley and I's sake, when it comes to and whenever Colin does something to book a guest, I think from for future reference, you know, we're just not going to tell you guys until it happens. I, I'm I'm going to quit posting guests in advance because it just ends up biting us in the ass a lot. And you know, I had a long conversation with TNA, and you know, they offered me a guest that was going to be doing other shows, and I turned it down. I said, well, if he's going to be doing other shows, let them have him. I don't want to do an interview with a guy that's going to be on 15 different radio shows. Right. And and listen, uh, you know, to any other radio shows that, that book any talent we have, uh, especially the one that was booked tonight, I mean, look, I, I don't really care. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for an internet war with anybody. At the end of the day, we don't need a guest to have this show. And if we don't have Joy Ryan on tonight, so be it. Maybe we get Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Maybe we get Jerry Ryan. There you go. There you go. But so uh, you may want to uh and this is behind the scenes talk for you listeners. You might want to swap comset two with comset one because we'll have to save our Vince Russo piece for later. I kinda wanted to do it before we brought the guest on, but we got a little long winded on Raw and I'm not surprised. <laughs> but uh we'll have to do the Vince Russo piece after we talk with Joey Ryan. That's fine. I can just I can just uh, you know move some stuff here and there, and we're we're all good. But I think man, I, I, you know, and I I have no reason to come to this guy's rescue, being Vince Russo. But I heard what he said in the first DVD, and it really just scratched the surface of where I'm going tonight with it. But if you remember that 
if you can remember back, I, we did a show, JJ and I, where I, I came on and talked about Vince Russo and the DVD and, you know, what he had to say. And I just think that with the information on disc two and, and as, as open as he was about everything, and there were a few things that he said, I'm not going to talk about that. Or, you know, I wasn't around for that. I was, you know, too busy doing my job to be around that. You know, he leaves a lot of empty questions, but at the same time, he answers a lot of, as well. And I, and I thoroughly enjoyed the DVD. As a matter of fact, I emailed the company and told them how much I enjoyed the DVD. Nice. So, with that being said, we should probably take us a break and get ready for our guest. Yeah, let's take a break, see what happens. And uh, if we have Joey Ryan, great. If we don't, then uh, we'll just continue we on. Have, if we have Joey or Jerry, either one. Either way, it works. Score for us. All right. Well, with that being said, guys, we'll be back with more Wrestling News Live right after this. You're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Network, and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. WrestlingOnline.com, the official news source of Wrestling News Live. If you're looking for the latest news in the world of MMA and professional wrestling, log on to www.wrestling-online.com and sign up for the largest and longest-running newsletter on the Internet today with over 26,000 subscribers and over 3,000 issues. And the best part, just like WNL, it's free! Once again, that's www.wrestlingonline.com. You know, in the world of pro wrestling radio, there's always someone out there who will always try to get under your skin. I want to really drive Andy to the point where he wants to choke me out. Because I'm going to drive him right off the edge of the cliff. They'll always try, but in the end, it always comes down to the truth. That moment when uh, Silent Rage blows the gasket, this match is over. You know, I'm really just a nice guy at heart, but... Don't piss me off, okay? I mean, come on. The truth is going to hurt someone. Catch your weekly search for the truth right here on the Pro Wrestling Rewind every Wednesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, exclusively on the SNS Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Wrestling Radio Tips on how to host your very own wrestling radio show. Wrestling Radio Tip 101, take listener phone calls. 
Here's how it works. You set up a phone line, and when a listener calls in, you answer just like this. All right, let's let's go back to the phone lines. Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? What? Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? What? Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Okay. <laughs> I I don't really follow Hulk Hogan because I, I just kind of find him up to be a, a washed up douchebag. Skeet, 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 skeet. It's it's been building at the warehouse with with the cars just starting in WWE. The t-shirts and the mask has been up in the sky, you know. So your tennis shoes are in the side. I told Julio to hold up for him. All we have to wait for the shoelaces to come in in the bottom sole. What? 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 Okay. Well, what you gonna do, brother? Well, I just take off my shirt. Yeah. Say my prayers. Eat my vitamins. Yeah. Say no to the holy God. And I'm gonna go after you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. What you gonna do when the two-inch pythons run wild on you? <laughs> my little. Oh, you didn't know? It's me, it's me, it's that D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And you're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. And if you ain't down with that, I got two words for you. Suck it. All right, guys, we're back right here on the SNS Radio Network. It's time to uh, introduce our guest at this time. Depending on his mood, he may give mustache rhymes to each and every one of you tonight. I have no idea, but he is a, a, a sleazy one indeed. TNA gut check participant who got thoroughly screwed, in my opinion. Joey Ryan joining us on the uh, program tonight. Joey, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. The pleasure's all yours. Yes, it is. Um, he's a very important man with many leather-bound books. Um, so tell us what has transpired since the gut check. I saw you put out a video uh, a few days later uh, where you ripped on Al Snow, you ripped on Taz, you ripped on everybody. Um, where, what has happened and transpired since then? Well, I mean, that's, that's it. You know, I've, I've put out a couple of videos because of all the support I was getting. Um, I think a lot of people share the same opinion as I do. And, uh, I think, uh, um, a lot of wrestling fans are responding to it because they don't really have the kind of voice that to say it, that, or the form to say it, where people will actually listen. You know, a lot of fans feel like if they put a YouTube video out or if they write a letter to somebody, it's just going to fall in deaf ears. But the fact that I'm saying it uh, in a forum or a medium where people actually listen to it and, and, and hear it, because, you know, you know, TNA is listening to it, Taz responded to it on, on his Twitter. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think I'm just, you know, trying to get the opinion across, the point across that wrestling uh, companies shouldn't dictate what the fans like. The fans should dictate what they want to see. And so, uh, you know, the, the response from the fans has been, has been great. And it's been, you know, it's been worth it to put these videos out. Well, to me, you know, and I've, I, I've been watching TNA since day one. Um, to me, after watching the first gut check, and, the, and I, I, I can't even tell you the guy's name that won. Um, I, I honestly, on my mother's grave, cannot tell you the name of the guy that won. That's how irrelevant he was. Um, I, I don't know what his name was or anything about him, and he sucked and got through. And then you came along and did a fantastic job. It didn't, it almost, 
and I'm sure you've heard this already, but it almost seemed like part of the storyline. Um, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know what they, they, they kept me in the dark about what they were going to do when we went out there. Um, cause they wanted to have very natural reactions and very genuine reactions. Uh, on the thing, I don't know if they had an agenda where they already knew they were going to say no, um, or not, but I mean, I, I, all I did was stand up for myself. You know, I, I, they wanted to talk down about my ability. They wanted, you know, it's fine. Wrestling's very opinionated. And, uh, uh, if they didn't like me or didn't like my look or didn't like whatever, that's fine. You know, not everybody will, but when you try to talk down to me or dress down my abilities and my skills, then I take offense to that. And, and I'll, you know, I stood up for myself on the moment right then and there. Again, I don't know if no matter what I did, they were going to say no, uh, I mean, obviously, if I had 87% of their audience, that's not a poll that I put up. That's a poll that they put up. Uh, 87% of their audience uh, said said they would give me a yes. And, uh, you know, and you know the fact that I was trending twice worldwide, um, you know, it just made it seem very fishy that, that they would say no, uh, despite all this stuff. Like, it, like, that was their agenda to begin with. Well, the way I took it was... Um, you were screwed from day one. They were going to tell you no because they already know you have the ability to get back there on your own. Um, it's almost like they had a hidden agenda. Like let's let's use this guy to make the gut check a talked about thing because he's got the talent. He's definitely got the charisma to get people talking. Obviously, eighty-seven percent of the uh, audience wanted you to stay. It was almost as if, and tell me if you felt this way at all after it was over with, it was almost as if they know that you're good enough to be there and that your charisma and uh, the way you carry yourself was going to be talked about at water coolers the next day. And you might be the guy that could put their new gut check project on the map. Uh, that's very possible. I mean, they don't, they, they don't have, they have very smart writers there. Um, despite what most people think, uh, they, they, you know, if this was their creative plan, then, then we'll talk to them. But I, I can't, I can't assume, or I can't imagine they would, they would expect the, um, at least my reaction in ring. Cause I think that's why, you know, Taz is so upset and Bruce Pritchard was so upset with the segment is that they, they had this, you know, idea where Taz would be like the tough, judge that everyone would fear and, and, you know, respect and, and it didn't work out that way. And I think that's what, I think more than anything has ego was bruised because I didn't back down from him. I didn't, right. you know, okay, yes, yes, Mr. Taz, I'll take, you know, your brow beating. Um, so I can't imagine that they thought the segment would go the way it did. Um, the aftermath, maybe, maybe they're, I mean, I was on, they showed backstage clips the week after they could have just dropped it and no one would have right. thought about it. Nobody would, nobody would have looked me up. Nobody would have, you know, the audience I didn't already know. Um, but they purposely did. And, you know, I suspect that it's because they want to capitalize on the amount of hype I've gotten. So maybe they initially didn't, um, didn't think they would get this or use this, but because of it, they put the backstage footage on just to get more people talking. Um, that is something I can see that's very possible. Well, for those of you that didn't see that extra footage, they showed uh, Joey cutting a promo and talk, well, not necessarily cutting a promo, but, but pleading his case to the camera backstage. And Al Snow came and basically escorted him out of the building. Uh, and like he's saying, they didn't have to show that if they didn't think they could capitalize off some 
rating or capitalize off some hype that you had generated the week before. Um, I'm being told in our chat room, it's Alex Silva was the, the, the first gut check contestant. His judge panel was different. He had Ric Flair on his panel in place of Taz. Do you look at this now and think to yourself, maybe had Ric Flair been on your panel instead of Taz, things would have worked out differently? Um, you know, I can't assume what Rick, how Ric Flair would have felt or how he would have taken it because I know that Taz felt I wasn't being very humble and Taz felt I was disrespecting, you know, the system or, you know, his veteran status or whatever it was. So maybe Ric Flair would have felt the same way, but Ric Flair also the same token might have appreciated the fact that I stood up for myself. Who knows? Um, I don't know Ric Flair that well. I've only met him on a handful of occasions. Um, so I, you know, I can't speak for him, but, um, you know, to, to Alex Silva's credit, he won over the people that needed to be won over. Um, you know, maybe I won over the audience. Maybe I have the 87%. Maybe I have the worldwide trend. Maybe I have the people behind me. But the people, you know, no matter what, what they say on the segment, no matter what they tell you about the people's opinions mattering, um, they obviously didn't. Uh, so, you know, I won over the people, but they, the people didn't have a vote. Al Silva won over Ric Flair and Al Snow, and they had votes. So, you know, it's just, it's he... To his credit, he won over who he needed to win over. Do you, looking back on the way things went, do you at all, while replaying this in your mind every night before you go to sleep, as I'm sure you have, do you uh, do you think maybe I should have done something different, or do you think maybe you should have cut that nice guy promo? Uh, absolutely not. I think I would have regretted it more had I done that. I think... Uh, with anything, not just wrestling, you have to do what brought you to the dance. And that's, you know, if, if I had done the nice guy promo and they would have said no, and I would have tucked my tail between my legs and I would have walked back to the locker room, respectful and humble. Uh, I, I would have, you know, I would be thinking about it twice, three times, four times, you know, right. over as I should have just done. My, I should have just been what brought me to the dance. I should have just been Joey Ryan, um, which is something I didn't want to regret. So that I, I, I mean, it wasn't even a choice whether I was going to be uh, Joey Ryan when I went out there or not. Well, for what matters, and it probably doesn't matter much to you, you scored a ton of points with me right there with that because I would rather hear you say I went in there as myself with my guns firing and, you know, the girl that brought me to the dance as opposed to trying to be fake just to get a job. So right. I, I, I appreciate that if anybody else doesn't. So I'm, I'll just let you know I do. I appreciate the shit out of that. Um you're a busy guy. I, I I was looking you up today, and I I've been in the ring. I have put on shows. I've hired talent. I've booked shows. So I've kind of sniffed the indie wrestling business, not to the extent that you have by any stretch of the imagination. But looking at your uh, profile and your background, do you say no to anybody, or do you just wrestle everywhere? <laughs> Uh, you know, if, if, if I can get, uh, you know, pay that's worth it. I mean, that's the bottom line. Right. And, and I do like traveling a lot and wrestling like places because, uh, being an independent wrestler, you know, uh, a big, uh, you know, being a full-time independent wrestler, you know, I don't have a day job or anything. Um, a big part of your marketing is your merchandise and for you to get your name out there and merchandise. So if I feel like, you know, I'm being compensated well enough to, to wrestle and do a show, and I'll gladly do it because I'll be able to bring my shirts and my pictures and then I'll be able to get my name out there and more people see me. Even if they don't buy shirts and pictures of me right then and there, they'll go find them online and they'll buy them online. Um, you know, and that's marketing yourself is a huge part of being able to stay afloat, you know, being a full-time indie wrestler. 
So, what are your shirts I saw you wearing in one of your videos? I want to get the the legalized sleeves. Is that one of yours? Yeah, that's that's, that's an original. Um, <laughs> I have uh, I have some more shirts coming out that that aren't designed that aren't finished being designed yet, but uh, that's the one I'm running right now. We have some questions uh, from our our uh, listener base that they wanted to ask you. I'll I'll get into this one now. This one I'm just to ask you because I don't know what this is about. Um, is it true that you did something on a show with RuPaul? I did uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, which is on the yeah. Logo Network. Um, they, they, you know, it's, it's a reality show, and and they had a dozen five different challenges, and one of their challenges was a professional wrestling um, challenge, and they had to train, and they needed some trainers, so me and a couple other guys got hired on to be their trainers for the show. I thought I was being ribbed when I was asked to ask that question, but he wants to know what is your favorite part of being involved with that. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's fun because they, you know, they, some of them took to it. Some of them were athletic, but it was obviously something that most of them didn't want to do and weren't comfortable with doing. But they want to win that contest too, so it was really fun because they would try hard. You know, it wasn't something like, you know, when you get people in a ring and you want to teach them, you know, some wrestling basics, and they're just reluctant. They don't want to do it. These these contestants knew that they had to do it to win the challenge. So no matter what ridiculous wrestling thing I said that they needed to do, they were going to do it. So that was, I had a little bit of fun with that. <laughs> um, what are your favorite moments from PWG? Gosh, uh, you know, my, most of my favorite moments probably aren't even of me just because I'm, you know, I, I started that company with us, five other guys uh, about nine years ago. And, um, um, I think it's more of the fact that, you know, it's stayed so popular and been so, so successful over nine years. You know, I like being able to bring, um, you know, have a hand in, I mean, I, I don't do much of the office stuff anymore as much as I used to anyways, but right. um, being able to have a hand in, you know, putting together some dream cards and dream matches that people really, really respond to and want to see, you know, when, when I see, you know, guys like, guys who started out there at PWG when they didn't have a name for themselves, guys like Davey Richards, uh, guys like El Generico and Kevin Steen, and just to see that where they are now, you know, the Young Bucks too, who are Generation Me and TMA, all yeah. of them pretty much came into PWG before they they had a name for themselves, and now they're some of the biggest names in the world, uh, at least of independent wrestling, and, um, you know, and, and just having a hand in any of that is just probably my favorite part. What are your thoughts on the uh, California independent wrestling scene? Uh, there's good and bad, you know, um, um, I think it's probably the same anywhere though, you know, like you've got promotions that legitimately try hard and, and, and want to do what's best for business and want to do what's best for the, for the boys. And you got, you know, guys that, you know, want to just either try to make money off people or just want to put on crap shows for their ego. So I think that's pretty much everywhere I've been. It's the same. Uh, now we talked a little bit about PWG. What guys from PWG, uh, that are guys that you didn't mention that you would like to see eventually make their way to the WWE or TNA? Um, right now, my two favorite independent wrestlers are Kevin Steen and Scorpio Sky. Um, I just think they're both, you know, Kevin Steen is just so entertaining and just you know, fun to watch. And Scorpio Sky, it just has amazing matches with anybody. Like uh, that I see, you could put him in with a big guy, small guy, you know, anybody, and he'll, he'll, he'll have an awesome match. So, if those two were on TV every week, I would probably watch TV every week. Now, one of the questions from our listeners, um, where did you see yourself, considering you would have passed the gut check, where do you see yourself fitting in in TNA 
Um, what would you, if they said, you know, welcome to TNA, where do you want to start? Where do you want to go first? What would you have done? Uh, you know, it's hard for me to pass up, you know, wrestling off an Aries again. Yeah. It's hard, you know, it's hard for me to pass up wrestling, you know, guys like Zima Ion, who I got, I got to know in Rinka King and, and just some of those X division guys are just so, so such, you know, I, I'm just a fan of them, but I would love to be able to compete, you know, and send matches with them. Uh, and then, you know, of course there's guys with that, that, you know, I came into wrestling with guys like, uh, well, they were a little bit before my time, but when I started, they were already established names, uh, like Frankie Kazarian and Samojo and Christopher Daniels. Yeah. Uh, getting to do some stuff with them would be awesome. Yeah, I can see you fitting in well with those guys, um, especially the Kazarians. And, uh, you know, you had a great match with Austin Aries uh, to begin with. Um, matter of fact, and I, and I don't remember much about Silva and his his match for gut check but he didn't face austin aries what was it why what i mean is the it almost isn't fair that you had to to do your gut check match against the champion do you feel that way at all or do you feel like you know you'd rather draw on somebody else you know what it's it, it, it i think it was it was good because i i know austin aries I, we've wrestled quite a few times on the independence um um, and I, you know, and I, and I know his style and I know his ability. Um, so there's a little bit more comfort rather than going in there against somebody I have no idea anything about. So, um, you know, like I, you know, I enjoyed myself and, and, and did the best of with my opportunity. Now I can either confirm nor deny that you wear sex Panther, but you do remind me an awful lot of one Ron Burgundy. Um, I'm pretty sure he was not your inspiration for getting into the business. What was? Um, well, uh, I grew up a fan. I have three older brothers, and uh, so some of my earliest memories of professional wrestling. And then getting through, a, you know, going through high school, I found friends that were into it, and just you know, it snowballed from there. Um, the uh, you know, the look I adapted is, is very is a reaction of that because you know when you first start when you first get into wrestling, you think you have to do you know there's rights and wrongs and there's yeses and nos and you have to follow a certain pattern to be successful. But once I established myself, I realized that wrestling was kind of a blank canvas and I could paint whatever picture I wanted to. And uh, the kind of wrestler I wanted to be was the kind of wrestler that I grew up liking, which was an 80s-style wrestler, an 80s look, an 80s, you know, swag, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, and so I just, you know, basically I, I tried to take who I thought essentially was probably the coolest guy in the 80s would have been Magnum P.I. And I um, tried, to, uh, <laughs> I tried to adapt his look a little as, as best I could. The problem is, is you know, as cool as Magnum P.I. was in the 80s, if you put him on the street in 2012 and he looks the way he does, people are going to think he's creepy, which which works. I mean, I guess by trying to be the biggest 80s baby face I could made me a, uh, a 2000 era heel. So that, that's just basically where that came from. Well, you do strike me as the kind of guy that would take candy from a baby. <laughs> uh, you know, if they, it, maybe if it was red vines, I, I have a soft spot for red vines. Uh, I don't know if you guys have red vines up there. They're licorice. I, I, I sometimes forget that we have different, you know, brands of stuff. Now, where, where, when you say we, where are you? I'm in California, Southern California. Okay. I was going to say, uh, I'm in Oklahoma, so we have Twizzlers. I know that. I don't know if they're the same, yeah. but. They're, 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 they're like Twizzlers, but they're not. It's, it's, the, the idea is the same. It's kind of like the kids nowadays that pour the vodka on the gummy bears. You put any alcohol on your red vines or what? Uh, no, but that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Wash it down with a little alcohol, maybe. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Now I didn't realize this, and, I, and it's it's my own fault because I don't follow it. Um, I had no idea you were a part of the TNA Ring King promotion. Um, was there a little butt hurt on your end because you were there doing a job for TNA in India, and then they treated you the way they did when you came to America's side of TNA, or? Were you expecting because you had participated in Rinka King that maybe you had an easier way into TNA or, or, or explain that? Um, I don't really think that people really realize how different those two companies are. Um, uh, they're under the same umbrella, yes, but I wouldn't call them sister companies. I would call them more like cousin companies because, you know, Impact is definitely run by, you know, Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff and, and company. And Rick King was run by Jeff Jarrett and Beth Mantel and company. So they're very, you know, if you've noticed there wasn't oh, much yeah. promotion. If you notice there wasn't much promotion of Rick King on Impact or on TNA, um, it's because they're very, they're, they're keeping companies very separate. Um, my hookup though for Rick King is uh, David Lagana, who I worked with in the NWA and in Ring of Honor, um, and then he got hired to be a writer for uh, Rick King, and then he is now writing for Impact. So he brought me on naturally. So he, I have the same connection, but the two companies are very different. I like Dave a lot. I, I think that since he's been on the Impact creative team, that the show over the last, I would say, three or four months has done almost a complete 180, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's great. He's, I mean, all the projects I've worked with him, he's always had a great mind for wrestling. I knew that Ringa King was a little separate because... It had to be, number one, because you got Scott Steiner over there as a major part. They're putting up billboards in India with his picture on them. And then he's over here in America on Twitter just reaming TNA impact. So I knew that yeah. something had to be separate because I thought, how the hell are they letting him get away with doing that while he's in the company as, you know, a wrestler for Ringa King? But I didn't know they were that separate. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty separate. You know, there wasn't, I mean, some of the guys, yeah, worked and they under the same umbrella, but. Yeah, there, there, there's different, you know, creatively and backstage. As, well, as if you know, companies. if anybody out there knows uh, Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Mantel's booking style, it's very much more old school than what you see on television right now. Yes, yes. They, they, that's what, I think that's what made Ring King so fun is the very traditional style of, the, of wrestling. So with that being said, man, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. What do you have planned in the immediate future? Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm still accepting bookings. Um, Joey Ryan at hotmail.com is my contact uh, for email. Um, you know, on Twitter it's at Joey Ryan Online. My Facebook is facebook.com/slash Joey Ryan Online. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to get my name out there. Still, just trying to stay busy. Uh, I have a couple of shows this weekend. Uh, for anybody who thinks this whole thing is uh, still a work, I'm actually at NWA Hollywood t Television taping on Saturday. And if anybody knows anything about TV contracts. If I was contracted to TNA, I wouldn't be able to appear on NWA TV. But right. I will be there this Saturday. If you're in Southern California, come on down to Glendale and uh, check out an NWA Hollywood television taping. And um, yeah, I mean, just trying to stay busy, trying to keep my bookings going. Is there a way to watch that NWA show online? Do you know? Yes, they have all the episodes available on uh, NWAHollywood.com. Okay. Well, I'd like to keep up with that as long as you're there. Give me something else to watch and um, I'll support you. I'll pull for you, man. Now, before we let Joey go, I have a really quick question. As far as uh, the T-shirts you've got going on, 
Is there any way for any of the wrestling fans that are interested in those T-shirts to to get some of those? Do you have any a website that's put up that has your merchandise? I mean, uh, you know, our, our fans obviously, our listeners are, uh, you know, loving the gimmick. So I was just wondering if there's anything they can go out there and purchase as far as a, a T-shirt or whatnot. My um my Twitter about me section and 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 on my about me on my uh on my Facebook page the link to the merchandise. It's actually on the Pro Wrestling Gorilla merchandise page. Go to ProWrestlingGorilla.com. It's on the merchandise page, but the the quick link is on my Twitter and my Facebook. Okay. I will send you a message on Twitter. I'm Trey WNL, so uh, I can get that and I can I can pass it on to the listeners as well. Okay, cool. Um, one more thing before we let you go, buddy. Um, could you cut a promo for us for a liner? Sure. JJ, you want to handle this? This is you do this better than I do. Okay. Uh, basically, Joey, what we're looking for is uh, obviously put your character into it, but uh, you're listening to Wrestling News Live. Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. SNS Radio Network. Uh, Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anytime. Yep. Yeah, we're recording, so just go for it. Okay. Lights, cameras, action. This is Joey Ryan, and you're rest. Ah, sorry, sorry. One time. Three, two, one. Lights, cameras, action. This is Joey Ryan, and you're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Network. Perfect. Perfect. So, any music you'd like to put that to when we produce it, or what's what's your actual uh, entrance theme that you got going on? Um, I use uh, EMF Unbelievable. Okay. Oh, you're unbelievable. Yeah, that's my that's my interest music. So, or sometimes if I'm feeling uh, uh, creative and wacky, I'll come out to the Magnum PI theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. All right, buddy. Well, we're gonna let you go. We appreciate you joining us, and uh, I'll send you a message on Twitter. We'd like to keep in touch and bring you back sometime. Awesome. I'd love to come back. All right, man. Take care. Me too. See you later, Joey. Bye. There you have it, Mr. Buster Ash Ride himself, Joey Ryan. Uh, get his merchandise at ProWrestlingGorilla.com. Uh, you can get it there. Uh, I want to get one of his mustache ride t-shirts because <clears throat> a lot of times I have the handlebar mustache. This is true, so you do. It would be fitting for me to have that. I didn't mean to uh, just take the whole thing over there, but you didn't seem like you wanted to participate. So I just <laughs> well, you know, it's not that I didn't want to participate, but uh, you know what, you were doing such a great job. I just I just sat back and produced and made sure the levels were okay. So all right, well, I enjoyed that. I, I wasn't sure how that was going to go. To be honest with you, I had no idea going into it. You know, I, I again, I I haven't seen a lot of Joey stuff, but uh, I did go back and catch the gut check with him on it, and you know, I was rather impressed with him. So I'll have to go back and. Check out his stuff. I love the gimmick, quite frankly. Uh, you know, just it's very Ron Burgundy esque, which is what I love about it. Oh yeah, he plays it up to a T, and he he said it himself. Which when 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 I saw him, the first thing I thought of was JJ would like this guy because he's got that '80s heel feel. You know, the the swarmy, take candy from a baby. You know, punch a pregnant woman. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's just the the, the typical bad guy you know? well he, he's That's, he's very gigolo-esque he's very gigolo-esque yes yeah, yes so. so i was uh contemplating tracking him down to begin with and uh crelly had come through and said do you want to interview joey and i said well i'm thinking about it i haven't convinced myself yet and then i saw the, the first video he put out 
and the fact that TNA followed it up the next week with more footage of him, and I just I told Curly, get him. Let's go with it. No, very good interview. Very informative. So I try. I try. But uh, speaking of informative, I want to be really informative on our next segment because I want to talk a little bit about Vince Russo. Vince Russo? No way. Yep. I, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, I'm not going to change all your minds. I don't intend to. But if I can change the mind of a few people or educate a few of the others, then uh, my work here is done. So we'll try after we come back from a break. Sounds like a plan, my friend. Let me uh, get everything queued up, and we'll go ahead and take our next commercial break, come back, talk some Vince Russo, and then uh, we'll finish it off with some news of the week sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. That being said, guys, you're listening to Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back right after this. Like I need an excuse to play this. This is Vince Russo. You're listening to Wrestling News Live from the SNS Network. Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps sexy of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks2headlines.com. That's headlocks, the number two, headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, triple W dot headlocks to headlines.com. Every Thursday, the SNS Radio Network gets in the ring and starts running the ropes. When I want, I, okay, I, want, I caught SmackDown again. I caught, she, I skipped Sheffield's gimmick, and I couldn't help but to think. That his new gimmick sounds like an Arby's uh, roast beef sandwich. Join Brian Maverick Bertrand and Chris Kelly from HeadlocksHeadlines.com as they talk about every random thing going on within the WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, and the NorCal independent scene. Running the Ropes also features interviews with stars from the past. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog Jesse James. Present. What's going on? This is Kazarian. And this is the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. And future. Hey guys, it's Dream of the Peace. And so much more. So join the guys every week on Running the Ropes right here on the SNS Radio Network. (laughs) 
Hey, wrestling fans, do you want a break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W., and each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe, exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. All right, guys, we're back right here. The SNS Radio Network Wrestling News Live. Myself, Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ All Caps, Sex A, and of course, I've got uh, the maestro, the founder, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the maestro, if you will, the founder and the outlaw of the IWC of Wrestling News Live, the trade dog. And I guess I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. I figured out what you. I figured out what you do. I, I I never did it the way you do it, but to each his own when they broadcast. But you're using Winamp, obviously. Yes. Right. Yes. And you're pulling everything you're going to use into that one window, aren't you? That is correct. Yes. See, I just leave that completely empty, and I I just open up file, and then have it sitting there so that when I get ready to play it, all I got to do is click it and fire it. That way, I don't have to worry about that. And there's another way you can go about it too. But like now you have the computer to pop to probably pull it off. You didn't before. Um, but you got the fucking uh, T-Rex 10,000 computer now that fucking kicks ass. So you could probably pull it off. The Sexatron 50,000. Yeah, the, the Sexatron 5,000. That's right. If you have, um, what do you use? Do you, you use Adobe Edition? Yeah, but for some reason, I'm having issues with Adobe Edition. I don't know. See, if I did too, and I went back to Cool Edit Pro 3.1. See, I might see. If, I might try that because I'm having. I was telling Brass on this the other day. Um, I am having issues with the audio as far as like the archives, because when right. I go back and and save the archive, the music sounds like shit when it comes back across my Adobe Edition. The voice sounds fine, but the music. So something is not. Now, there's Something's a way right. to go about this, and you can take, like, I always, and if you, I even alluded to it earlier in the show, when I was producing, and I'm, I'm not condemning your producing job at all, I'm just saying, when I was producing, everybody's got their story about how they walked uphill to the school in the snow both ways. Um, when I was producing back in the day, which was a Wednesday, 
I got all my commercials and I pre I put them all together in one big file and I labeled it Comset One. And then I had all my commercials for Comset Two labeled Comset Two. And then what I would do is I would open up Cool Edit Pro. And if you notice on Adobe Edition and Cool Edit Pro, when you hit File and it drops down and opens up, a, 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 you know, the shit you're looking for in the bottom right hand corner, it says Play. If you check that box, whatever you click on, it's going to fire instantly. Huh. And that's what, how I did the show back when I produced back a long time ago. Because I didn't want to have one thing stop and another thing start. And that will keep that from happening. Or you can just go through WinApp like you're doing now and just hit file, open, and whatever you want to play and play it that way. Yeah, the only problem with that is I like to have everything laid out before I do the show. So to it's each all his there. own. I mean, yeah. everybody's different. That's the thing about producing. Everybody's got their own tricks. Because, I mean, I don't want to be, like, in commercial breaks scrounging for the next audio file, right? Well, see, I put them all together. Like, I would put a complete five-minute break together where one commercial would, run, would stop and another one would start seamlessly. And then I would tag it on the front and the back with you're listening to and welcome back. Right. So that it's all one file. There is no hunting and searching for other commercials. It's all one file pre-done. Anyway, we're, we're, we're branching off into... Welcome uh, to Production 101. Production News Live. we just Live. educated a lot of people out there. That's right. We, we just, we, just uh, we gave people ideas on how to do their own radio show now. So, that's you know. right. Well, now half our listener base will start up doing that's right. on Tuesdays. And then they'll leave us, but that's okay. I want to talk about Vince Russo. And first thing I want to do, uh, a disclaimer, if you will, I want to put over RF Video for their great video of the Vince Russo shoot number two. Uh, shoot number one came out just as he was joining TNA. Uh, he talked a little bit about WCW and a lot about the WWE, WWF attitude era when he was there. This one picks up with his time in, in TNA as he came back to TNA because of Jeff Jarrett and his wife getting ill with cancer. Jeff was the head writer and it was Jeff and Dutch Mantel writing the creative for a little while for TNA. And uh, they were actually doing a really good job when they had the book. I enjoyed that was old school TNA. Russo came in and took over when Jill, Jeff's wife, had gotten diagnosed with, with cancer and was in her later days. And Jeff basically said he needed to go home and spend time with the family and brought Russo in to take his place until he could return. Um, first off, I didn't know this about Vince Russo, and I'm not putting this as an excuse, um, but I will tell you this. People in the wrestling business that I have heard claim to become born-again Christians, they've all said the same thing. So either they all got together with God and came up with the same excuse, or it's a fact. And what I mean by that is Vince Russo, when he came back to TNA to help out Jeff when his wife was sick, he had become a born-again Christian. He talks about how hard it was to be the head writer of a wrestling product when you are a Christian man, a born-again Christian. Go ahead, JJ. What, what, what? what? Oh, you want me to play that, the clip? Yeah, clip one. Okay, well, let me buzzer myself first for that. <laughs> I had that deer in the headlights look going on. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. 
Very hard. Very, 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 very difficult. And it's funny because, you know, right around Christmas time before I left, me, me and Sting had a very deep conversation about this. And it's very, very difficult. And the difficult thing um, is that, you know, I, I get paid for one reason and one reason only, and that is to deliver a rating. Now, what the, the general public likes isn't necessarily what I like. And a, a lot of it actually is really against what I believe. But at the end of the day, I'm getting paid to deliver a rating. So I have to spoon feed what the general public wants to see that I don't necessarily want to see or agree with. And that, I mean, that was very, very difficult. Very difficult. Mm. So, not only had Russo left WWE, gone WCW, and many say failed and killed WCW, which we'll talk about also, um, he had left TNA and was gone from the business and in his personal life became a Christian. And when he came back, talked to Sting about it, and he tells you right there how hard it is to write adult-driven storylines while being a Christian. Now, another thing that he talks about that I want to make sure everybody understands is, you know, Vince Russo gets a lot of heat for a lot of different reasons. And I'll give you an example of how idiotic this is in just a little bit. But here we have in our clip number two, it's Russo, uh, basically on following what the IWC has to say about him and how it affects him. If you start following the internet about what they're saying about the show and about them critiquing the show, and we'll get into this deeply. I mean, and, and I want it with you. I mean, you know, you, you brought me out here, but what the, inter the product the internet is looking for and the product that the casual fan and the mass audience is looking for are two completely different products. So that's why, you know, it's it's very difficult to read the internet because you know what they want. You understand that. But on the other side of the coin, you know, I was around in 1999 when WWE was getting sevens and eights. And that's because we were bringing in an audience of non-wrestling fans. So, like, I know what that audience wants. And, and the only way to increase the number is to go after that audience. So, like, I would hear what the Internet fan was saying and I understood what they wanted but what the mainstream audience wants is something completely different. So when you start reading the reviews and getting caught up in that, it can, it can really screw up your head. So I, I, I really try to stay away from that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I can understand, you know, it's kind of like very few but far between. JJ and I will go off on somebody in the chat room and we'll go off on one of our spiels like we did about six weeks ago or so where – you know, we're tired, we're burnt, and we're doing this not for us, but for you, the listeners. And then you get somebody to critique you in a negative way, and, you know, it really should just roll off our chest, roll off our back, and we shouldn't care. But because we put so much time and, and heart and emotion and passion 
into building these shows and building this network that even the smallest thing can get inside your brain and make you do and say things that you probably don't really want to say or that you do really want to say and probably shouldn't. And this is a guy who you take a year's worth of television and you take 12 pay-per-views and you're doing 64 shows a year that you're writing. And you do that, you're getting critiqued, you're getting booed, you're getting fire Russo chants, every pay-per-view, every TNA event. You're booking in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where, I don't know that I have this clip, but he talks about later on in the shoot DVD where, you know, it would have been a whole lot easier. It would have made his job a whole lot easier to have been booking a show that was traveling on the road, you know, every week, as opposed to booking a show that's in the same place every week. You know, when you're booking a show for a, a hot crowd, every different crowd every week, you're writing the show. You can you can you can kind of guess where the pops are going to be. You can guess where the boos are going to be, and you kind of write towards that at a place where you can't predict the response, like the impact zone, because they think they're smarter than the business, and the other half of them are just there to ride rides and have no idea what's going on. Makes it difficult. Um, this is the one that I, I want to make sure you get. Because, again, I think Vince Russo gets blamed a lot for things that, that aren't his fault. Is he a saint in the business? No. Is he the Antichrist? No, not at all. And what blows me away is the IWC that's supposed to be the smarter, more educated wrestling fans at times can be some of the dumbest son of a bitches that ever drew a breath of air. And why can I say that? Because I know that. How do I know that? Prime example. Russo was not even at the lockdown pay-per-view. And during the... It may not even have been lockdown. Russo's been gone for a while. Whatever pay-per-view it was that had the very bad, hearty Anderson finish... I saw in the chat room, and I didn't comment because Bronx and I were doing the show. I saw in the chat room somebody blaming Vince Russo. And the guy's not even there. But not only is he not there, that wouldn't have been something of his fault anyway. And Russo will explain that in this clip. I'm sure we're going to cover a lot of a lot of this stuff, but that, that those are some of the things that kind of, you know, irritated me throughout the years like when, when a match comes off bad or when a finish comes off bad that's not me I, I, I'm not a wrestler I don't tell wrestlers what to do in a ring so basically how, how that group worked was I would pretty much throw out most of the creative ideas you know most of the angles you know and whatnot then when it came to okay this is what we need for the finish 
Jeff and Dutch would lay out matches blow by blow. And that's when, I mean, honestly, I would sit back there and keep my mouth shut and let them do what they do. If rarely, if they were stuck and they, they, they then I would listen, listen, listen. Then I might throw something in to help them along. But it, sometimes it, it, it boggles my mind how people in the business for so long, they don't understand the difference between, you know, a creative writer and an agent. They're two totally different things. And I, I can't tell you how much heat I took over the years for, you know, matches being bad and finishes. And that's not what I do. I write the show and basically the writer tells the agent this is what we need for the finish. We need so-and-so to go over. We need so-and-so to be DQ'd. Then at that point, it's up to them to come up with the finish. And it, it's just like I said, you know, I just read so many things and people don't understand it. Th those are two separate things. Trust me, it's not about me sitting here saying, oh, that wasn't my fault. That wasn't my finish. I, that's BS, man. We, we, we all work together, and, and I love the agents, and I love all the ones that I work with. But, I, you know, I guess what I want to get, what, what I would want to get off my chest is just, you know, the, the knowledge of the people who run internet wrestling sites. I, I, ju I just can't believe that they really don't understand the nuts and bolts and and how a, a day at TV works. They just, they, they don't understand that. The writers, the writers do their thing, the agents do their thing. Through, through the day, both sides stay in contact with each other, but rarely do the agents tell the writers what to do, and rarely do the writers tell the agents what to do. There's a respect there. And I just, you know, like I said, that's always been a pet peeve of mine that, you know, people who who come across on the internet of being so knowledgeable and knowing so much don't understand how that works. You know, I, I like I said, the lack of knowledge just really, really blows me away. Okay, okay, hold on. I, I, I want to say something here, and I hear what he's saying, but if he is the creative force, he's the one writing the show, obviously the storylines have to fall into a certain pattern. So when you have an ending to a match, and let's use TNA as an example, you have a finish to a match. Now, granted, when the talent and the agent are sitting there talking about what they're going to do in the match, they have to go by where the storyline is taking them. So right. I'm, I'm calling BS on this. No, you're missing the point. He's telling you straight up right there. I tell them that in order for the storyline to continue as I have envisioned, that there needs to be a DQ finish here. Then the agent and the talent figure out how to do that DQ finish. That's, at that point, it's out of Russo's hands. In order to get from A to C, B has to be a disqualification. But, okay, and I see what you're saying, but my complaint with TNA always was that the guys go out there and put everything they have into the match, and it's usually the finish that really fucks the flow of everything exactly. up. Exactly, and that, my friend, is where you wouldn't blame Russo, but you would blame the agents. No, because, Trey, no. I, I Yes, you do, because Russo could have the, the entire storyline written. All right, let's uh, let's use this for an example. Lockdown. Russo, let's say let's he didn't, but let's say that he did. Russo writes the storyline 
for Bobby Roode and James Storm. In his storyline, in order for it to continue as planned, Roode has to retain. But they don't want to pin anybody. They want to use the finish that they went with, which is James Storm super kicking Rude through the cage door. Russo would have gone to the agents and said, Rude has to retain here. The agent and Storm and Rude come up with the finish of the super kick through the door. Well, see, now that's the part that he's screwing up then. What they should be doing, if that's the way that that is, that what needs to happen to make it more cohesive, that explains a lot. But what they need to do, and again, I'm one of those ignorant people that don't understand how it works on a daily TV basis in any company, but what needs to happen is you need to have creative, the agent, and the talent all sit down and work out a finish together. That way there's some cohesion, and it all makes sense. And you don't yes. have some stupid, convoluted fucking finish that everybody blames a guy that's the creative writer for. You, you see what I'm yes, saying? Yes, yes and no. I, I see what you're saying, but yes and no. Because if I come to you and I say, all right, JJ, here's what I need. Um, I need Randy Orton and I need Sheamus to have a match and JJ, you're the talent or you're the, you're the agent and I'm the writer. Okay. I'm Russo and you're D'Lo. Okay. And I come to you and I say, D'Lo, JJ, um, in the main event tonight, I need Seamus to go over and retain the title so that it makes sense next week when I write him in as the champion coming to the ring. But okay. And I see what you're saying, but as the writer, you should pretty much know where you're going. You should already have a finish in mind as to what's going to happen. That's pretty much the way it works in the WWE. Yes, but then... No, it doesn't either. Because it's he, he explains it's the same way in the WWE. Um, what happens then is the wrestlers and the agents pitch a fit because somebody with a pin and a pad has never been in a ring before. But at the end, okay, and that's that's the thing that kills me about the egos in this business. If oh, and you, it gets worse. Well, hold it on, gets hold worse. on, hold on. If you are a creative writer for the WWE, for TNA, for ROH, for PWG, for, you know, fucking Hoboken fucking professional wrestling uh, down the street that maybe puts on a fucking card once a month, doesn't matter. If you're the one that's crafting the storylines, making up the cards, and saying wrestler A goes over wrestler B to cement storyline, you need to have your thoughts written on paper as to who's going over, how they go over. Sure, you can have an agent talk to the talent, and they can figure out the best way to happen. But technically, the writer dictates what happens. And because here's the reason why wrestling is in the shitter today. Because in the Attitude Era, which you will hear later on, they did that. They did everything to the to the finish and put it in front of Vince. And you'll hear what Vince's role was back then. It, it will educate you, I promise you. But back in the day, instead of saying Wrestler A goes over Wrestler B, it would have said Wrestler A superplexes Wrestler B off the top rope, rolls up into a pinfall for the win. Then all talent and agents have to do is go out there and practice the, the or go out there and go through the match like they always do the day before or day of. And then 
you and I have been there before backstage when they call for what's the finish. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. I, I have. They, You're right. They call what's the finish. And the two talents get together with the referee and they say, we're going to do a superplex off the top rope with a roll up into a pin. Okay. Boom. That's the finish. I know that's when I count three. And see, I think the problem that they're talking about is you have different agents with different talents and you have a situation where what, what I can't remember which pay-per-view it was with TNA, but the one where there was three roll-ups back to back three matches right. with a fucking same finish that should have never happened. Regardless of this guy's got to go over, this guy's got to go over. But with that being said, that tells you right there. That tells you right there because no motherfucker in his right mind writing that show, if he was writing the finishes, would have written three roll-ups. So that tells you right there that the writer drops off the script to the talent and the the agent, and they go over the finish, and you got too many sets of talent and agents, and they don't talk, and they all three pick the same finish and didn't tell each other. I'm telling you right now, if I were running a wrestling company tomorrow, I don't have the funds for it, and I obviously don't have the place to put it. But if I was rich, had the fucking money, and was running a fucking talent, if I was running... uh, a, a, a promotion I, I would have a creative writer i would have an agent and i would have both of them sit down with the talents and decide where this match is going to go now obviously the, the writer used to be the writer has an idea of where he wants to go the agent and the talent should discuss what it is but the bottom line is the writer should make the final call on what the finish of the match is and in the attitude era that's the way it was that's not the case anymore and the reason it's not is because now you don't have two guys writing and one guy approving. Go ahead and roll uh, the next clip, and that'll explain it. This is what pisses me off more than anything, okay? The the facade and the, the legend of how Vince Russo was successful at the WWE because Vince, Ru- Vince McMahon edited him. Let, let me tell you why I was successful at the WWE, and let me set the record straight and tell you how it worked, okay? And this was the difference from Vince Russo with the WWE to Vince Russo leaving the WWE. What my success was there and what my success was after I left. This is the reason right here, okay? Ed Ferrara and Vince Russo, a two-man team working in sync, would write Monday Night Raw, would write SmackDown. We'd bring them directly with Vince. We'd sit down with Vince. There would be the three of us, okay? Vince McMahon would look at the complete format of that show, and Vince McMahon would stay within the format of that show, segments one through ten. He did not change anything within the format. What he did was he took every single segment we had and he would make just the the tiniest change and he would make everything better. Everything we wrote, Vince would make better, but Vince stayed in the body of what we wrote. He would not change a match. He would not change an in-ring. He would not change the order. He would not change anything that was going to have a ripple effect of where we were going. He would take the show we handed to him and he would make everything on those pages better. Okay? 
when when I left him, I never had that experience again. And 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 and, and it, this is what I was getting back to. I know I'm being long winded, no, but good. this is this is this is the unknown question to me that I, I would love for somebody to answer this for me. How did we go from the success of an attitude era? where we were doing sevens or eights or whatever the freaking number was, and it was two guys, one vision, who went to the owner of the company. How did we get from that to now we need 20 people on a creative team? How did that happen? Because I'll tell you something. That's what has killed the creative process. And that is why the shows lack. Because you have a group of people all giving different opinions. Okay, now, now you've got to decide how are we going to make all these things work and how are we going to make everybody happy? All of a sudden, there's no one vision anymore. Now there's six visions or now there's ten visions and now you're watching the show on TV and nothing's in sync. It's all over the place because this was this guy's idea for the first segment. This was this guy's idea for the second. She came up with this segment for the third. It's not in sync anymore. So, like, the the biggest mystery to me is how did you go from two guys that had the most success because not who they were, the structure, to 20-guy teams where you can't – you can't get anything across. Like, if I was to go to the WWE environment right now and knew I know what we need to do to change this, I know what we have to do, I will put my reputation on the line. If it works, great. If it doesn't, fire me. Get rid of me. But give me the opportunity. I could never take that now to the WWE and get that past 20 people. It, it, it would never happen in a million years. Now, if it was one person I had to sit down, if it was a Vince or if it was a Stephanie or if it was a Hunter, whatever it is, if it was one person I had to sit down, yes. But if, if I've got to go into a room and convince 20 people, I, I promise you there's going to be one or two that have a problem with it. Now the one and two, well, maybe we do this and maybe we do that. All of a sudden, you're, you're right back where you started. And, and, and again, it's, I, I don't know who made that decision of why we went from two guys to 20. It, it boggles my mind. And that'll tell you right there, if you remember back to several Wrestling News Live shows ago, J.J. and I both sat here and told you that the problem with TNA, back when J.J. was still watching the product, the problem with TNA is writer A starts the writing, writer B comes along and and writes in the book, writer C comes along and writes in the book, and you got three or four, it seemed like they had three or four people writing, and they weren't talking to each other. And he just nailed it right there. I got to give him props. That was, uh, I agree with just about everything he said there. You know, and no, he's not kissing Vince's ass. And no, he's not trying to get back with the WWE. Because he actually says later on in the interview that if Vince called, he'd have to take it up on the offer only if they got rid of the creative team and let it go back to the way it used to be. Because he says, there's no reason in me going in there and trying to change the world and waste my time and waste theirs with a 20-man crew. Because 20 people are never going to agree on the same thing. They're just not going to. Well, and that's a very good point. That's very valid. 
And I, continue, I, I, I agree. Him. I agree with him. I on that point, I completely agree with what he's saying. To continue in our last clip, you talk about a lot of people say, "Well, why was he successful in the Attitude Era, and he sucked in WCW, and he sucked in TNA?" I think now you know why. I think now you know why he sucked because he was not himself. He was not allowed to do what he wanted to do. He has been in. in groups of writers where nobody agrees again writer a picks up the book and writes this he puts it down writer b comes along and puts about another two paragraphs writer c comes along writes a couple paragraphs and all three people don't speak how do you how do you have the continuance how do you have the storyline with that you don't but the way they used to do it was a lot different go ahead and roll the clip this was the biggest problem I, I, I've had doing my job after the WWE. So, so this goes for WCW as well. Okay, this is this was part of the reason why, like, I I no longer wanted to be a part of it. Okay, when I worked for Vince and we would write a show, okay, there's one thing that mattered: the rating. That's it. I remember Vince bringing back Shawn Michaels, and if it were up to Vince, he 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 he, he if it were up to Vince, he would have ran Shawn Michaels over with his car. Vince hated Shawn Michaels at this point in time. Okay, I pitched to bring Shawn back for whatever the spot was. All Vince cared about was the show and the rating and if if sean could draw i don't care whether i love him i don't care whether i could hate him i could care less we wrote that show to get the highest rating okay now when the rating came in we'd get the minute by minutes we'd pick that thing apart this work this didn't work this work this didn't work based on the ratings was we got to go with Austin. We got to turn rock baby face. We got to take this guy off the show. The ratings dictated to us. So as we paid attention and listened to what the people were telling us and went in that direction and, and took away what didn't work, well, now you're 3.1, 4, 5, 6. You're giving the people what they want. Okay. The minute I left the WWE and was in any creative situation after that, okay? All of a sudden, the, the people I'm around and the people I'm working with, all of a sudden, the only thing that matters now is what their opinion is, what they like, what they want to see, who they don't like, who, who shouldn't be on a show. Everything was their opinion. And I used to sit there to nauseam and say, with all due respect, your opinions don't count. The only thing that counts is the number. What are the people watching? What are the people turning off? Your opinion doesn't matter. And, and, and I'm sure the WWE goes through the same thing. Who likes this guy? Who doesn't like? It's not about that. It's about the number and what the mass audience is watching. And that's what that's what's totally in the toilet. There you have it. You know, it used to be about getting the ratings in and sitting down with your partner because you were a two-man writing team and the head of the company, the owner, Vince McMahon, 
and setting down with your rating sheet and going, look, we spiked here. Who was on TV at that point? Oh, that was Austin. Get him back on. Oh, we spiked here. Okay, that was The Rock. That was where he was teasing to turn heel. All right, let's go ahead and turn him in two shows and make him a heel and see how that spikes. Then you go on, you go on, you go on, you go on, and you take the good things out of the ratings and you give the people what they want. How many times have you heard me say, give the people what they want when it comes to TNA? How many times have you heard me say that? I have heard you say that a lot of times, but here, okay, here's the problem. And, and he makes some really good points, but at the same time, didn't he also say that you can't always give the internet wrestling fans what they want? He's not talking about the internet. He's talking about the viewership as a whole. Because if you listen, he talks about the mass media, the mass, the, the mass viewership, and the internet wrestling community are two separate entities. But they're the not. Internet, and he, and I, I should have got this clip because he explains it later on. The internet fan is going to watch the show. He's going to go on a chat page. He's going to go on a message board. He's going to go on a radio show. And he's going to talk about how Russo's the devil. Russo sucks. That was the worst show I've ever seen. Case in point. The very first rock, this is your life. He talks about how the night that show happened, and he doesn't name the name, and he doesn't name the website. But he says one of the longest rating wrestling websites and one of the most credible wrestling, you know, criticizers, whatever, that night, as soon as Raw was over, posted that that was the worst thing he'd ever seen on television and that he would never watch again. Do you know what the highest rated segment in televised wrestling history is? This is your life rock, the first one. Exactly. The internet fan that watches TV, he says this, will watch TV, get on the computer, get on a message board, call into a radio show, and talk about how horrible Monday Night Raw was and how they'll never watch again, and then, by God, next week, what are they watching? Wrestling. But see, I mean, he's got some legit points to that, but not everybody that you lump in the IWC is like that. You know, the viewers of Raw are the same as your IWC crowd. So not, you're, you're not you're, all of them. No, but the majority is Trey. Is what I'm saying. No, you're still and, and that's the thing is, is I, I stood corrected because I always said that I thought 80 to 90 percent of the audience at a Monday Night Raw was the same audience that went to wrestling websites and news sites and listened to radio shows. And I've been proved wrong since then. I, I, I don't see how that's even possible. I really don't because you know, 90% of your audience has a computer. 90% of your audience will go on the internet and check things out. I mean, this world is internet savvy. So I find it hard to believe that we're talking about two different demographics. When we talk about the IWC and wrestling fans that tune into wrestling each and every week, I find that very naive and hard to believe. Well, you'd be surprised. I promise you, you would be surprised well, that the internet crowd, no matter how bad it is, they're hooked. They're going to be there every week regardless. It's just like in real radio, in terrestrial radio. My boss told me a long time ago, don't play requests. What? 
don't play requests. I always thought growing up, you could call into a radio show and say, I want to hear Wham, and they'd play Wham. What Wham song do you want to hear, Trey? I want to hear some fucking Tears for Fears, and they'd play some Tears for Fears. What Wham do you want to hear, Trey? Um, Wake me up before you go-go. All right, well, that'll be song of the night then. All right. Now, here's the deal, and here's the interesting part that a lot of people outside the radio business don't think about. This is a trade secret. 99.9%, and JJ would be the exception because of his fucking weird-ass music taste, but 99.9% of the people listening to the radio, listening to their favorite radio station, you're going to call in and ask for a song that we're already playing anyway. It's already in our rotation. So you call in and say, I want to hear George Strait fuck me with my blue jeans on. It's probably already going to play because it's already a George Strait song, number one. Number two, if it's brand new, you can bet it's in our heavy playlist. Can, can you can you sing a little bit of that song? I want to hear how it goes. <laughs> uh, I might later. Right now, I'm trying to make a point. I've never heard that one, so I just, you know, I'm well, curious. I didn't know George had that song, but that's pretty awesome. It's, it's on a, it's a bootleg on a B-side. Um, and that's the, that's the common misconception is you're going to call in and request a song that we're going to play any minute now anyway, 99% of the time. So if I say, yeah, I'd play that for you, and I play it, there's a chance because of the, of the music log that is printed the day before, that that song is going to play two or three songs from now and play again because it's already in the playlist. So my job as a DJ is to take your request and make you think that I'm going to play it. And then the schedule goes on as it goes on. Now, if by some chance it doesn't play and you're going to call in and go, I'm never listening to this station again, bullshit. You will because you don't have a ton of options out there. And the station that's competing with us that you just switched to because I wouldn't play your song, they're going to play a commercial. And when they do, guess where you're going to be? Right back on my station. So okay. there you have it. Well, there, there, there you have it. The rant from the trade dog. He makes a good point. Let's see. I'm just looking in the chat room. Mac Daddy says, JJ, I have to agree with Trey on this one about the IWC being different from the average wrestling viewer. I've seen it with my family and friends who watch it. They don't care enough to even know how to find information about the backstage happenings. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't, but there's a lot of people that do. Well, we had a guest, and I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but I was on the same page with you that I thought 90% of the Raw audience spent all day on the computer reading about spoilers and, 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 and hitting wrestling news sites and listening to wrestling radio. But... Somebody came along and proved me wrong, and I can't remember what guest it was. Well, like I said, it's my opinion. You don't have to agree with it, and that's fine. I'm going to stick with what I'm saying here. I stick to my guns. If I believe in something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick up for it. And I, I think that you're looking at a very small margin between that's, that's the two. That's not really the point of the whole piece. The point of the piece was, you know, people need to get a little bit better educated before they start trying to hang somebody or burn somebody at the stake. Right. But let me, let me ask you a question just to play devil's advocate. And I've heard this from you and I've heard this from everybody who is a quote unquote, and please don't hang me for this TNA Mark quotations. 
I've heard this for a while now that the show has gotten better. When did the show get better? After Vince Russo left. Yeah, but when Russo left, they brought in Pritchard. And Russo says it himself later on. He says, you know, if you if you look at my career, every five years I have a horrible year where I'm just burnt out and the product goes downhill. And he said, I was coming upon that fifth year in TNA and decided to step down. Before I did that, I brought in Bruce Pritchard, who was in charge of doing my um, my dailies, you know, my, you know, pre-recorded shit that they were going to use later in the week. And he said, at that time, it basically came down to, I think now it's, it's Bruce and, and somebody else doing the writing. So now they've gotten back down to a two man team. Um, he talked, he talks about that later in the, in the, in the DVD. Like and I said, basically he points to the fact that, you know, he left on this time and Bruce took over at this point and it's been a very entertaining show since then. I never, and you can back me on this. I have never completely said that the whole reason TNA is in the shitter was because of Vince Russo. I've never said that. That being said, he made a lot of stupid decisions creatively when he was in WCW and TNA that led to a lot of problems. Now, it's not his fault that things are run a certain way in that company and things are out of his control. I understand that. But my biggest beef with Russo is his character development. The minute he left the WWF and went to WCW, his character development went down the shitter because he took every idea that he and Ed Ferrara used in the Attitude Era and brought it right over to WCW. And that's a fact. You can go back and watch that and say, yep, you can tell this is the guy that was writing the Attitude Era because he tried to take those shows and he tried to make different characters the characters that were on the other show. And that's my knock on Vince Russo. I think when when that started happening, they were already dead in the water. And I th- I honestly think that was a fuck you to the people that, that, that hired them. Maybe. Or maybe, just like a lot of people have theorized over the years, Vince Russo was sent to WCW to destroy it. Because when you look at the run that he had there, it went down the fucking tubes. It really did. The minute they well, took Eric WCW, Bischoff, WCW was doomed already. <laughs> well, but, but Trey, the minute Eric Bischoff was taken out of the creative role there, and right. granted, he he did a lot of shit to fuck it up too. I'm not going to give Eric a pass either. Um, the biggest thing, in my opinion, that really killed WCW, other than the fact that the NWO kept growing and growing, and every guy on the roster wore a fucking T-shirt, the other thing that really killed that company was bringing in guys like Jay Leno to have a match with Dennis Rodman or Carl Malone or, you know, and this was a Russo thing, putting the WCW championship, which, again, I know it's a prop. It's to elevate people, but it's also a prop that guys have worked for years and years to attain to put it on a guy to promote a movie. That's actually not a Russo thing. That was a Bischoff thing. Well, it was under his watch. Because in the first shoot DVD, they talk about that. And he says, I came into a meeting, I sat down with creative, and Bischoff said, hear me out, you know, don't don't pass judgment on this until you've heard the entire story, basically. 
I'm going to put the belt on David Arquette. And Russo said, are you fucking kidding me? And he said, no, I'm not. He said, it'll be all over USA Today. And it was, but they got more backlash from that than props. Well, I've never heard him publicly say it wasn't his idea. He's always I'll taking you, the heat for it. I'll get you the clip. Well, I'll I, get you the clip. He's always taking the heat for it. That's why I'm saying that, Trey. I've never heard that it was Bischoff. And if it was Bischoff, then that was that was Bischoff's way of trying to sabotage his run. Well, and another thing that, that gets that he talks about in this new DVD, another thing that, that, that blows me away and cracks me up is that he wasn't even in the company when they planned the electric cage. Yeah. And he gets credit for that. He said, I came in the week before that pay-per-view and heard they were going to electrify the cage and told them they were going to fail because they didn't have the WWE's resources or money to make it believable. And he said, as soon as that happened, I was standing in the crowd. I wasn't backstage. I was in the crowd in the nosebleeds in the back of the fucking arena behind the Tron, and all I heard was fire Russo chants. And I had zero to do with it, absolutely nothing. Oh, oh, I, we're getting we're getting some uh, some conjuncture in the chat room. Rockport says, and I quote, that that was Russo. He's heard Russo accept in some of the shoots that he's done, and he's going to look up the source and try to get those to us. But so apparently, then Russo is saying one thing in one interview and another in another. So at the end of the day, do we really know what's real and what's not? Well. Believe what you want. I put it out there for you. I said at the beginning I wasn't going to change everybody's mind, and I didn't intend to. So with that being said, we probably should take a break and come back and do news and take phone calls. Oh, man. I didn't know we were taking three breaks tonight. Man, you're killing me with this shit. Well, we don't have to. We can go right into news. Hell, I don't care. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump into the news then. Works a lot better for me. So whether you like Vince Russo or not, Trey laid out some facts. Good, Good job, Trey. And I think that you, you know, as a wrestling fan, would be very entertained. I know I was. I couldn't stop listening to the whole thing. Uh, and it was three hours long. So go to RF Video, buy the DVD. Um, you know, I think it's, it's well worth the, well worth the listen. And I may be wrong. Maybe it was Bischoff who did the shoot and blamed it on Russo. I'm pretty sure it was the other way around. I may be wrong. Well, well, that said, let's go ahead and talk some news of the week sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, please do so and join over 27,000 other wrestling fans who get this newsletter a few times a week. It's all the news you need right there in your inbox. And just like WNL, it's free. Good job. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. May I have your attention, please? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. And now, the news. Well, let me see. One of the big news stories that's been circulating around lately is that uh, Vince McMahon, obviously, was going to return to Raw, which he did last night. But also, that Triple H is going to be returning to No Way Out to talk about the situation with Brock Lesnar. Hmm. I wonder what he's going to say about Brock. Hmm. Triple H will be appearing at No Way Out to talk about the lawsuit from Brock Lesnar and his future. WWE.com made the announcement of Triple H's appearance 
Uh, this will be the first appearance on WWE television since Paul Heyman served him with the legal papers for breach of contract last month. Triple H and Brock Lesnar are rumored to have a match at SummerSlam to finish up the storyline, which kicked off when Lesnar attacked Triple H and destroyed his arm. Lesnar has quit the company. Since then, a storyline to explain his absence from the WWE television due to the very limited number of television dates he has on his contract. I know that from what I read in the, in the uh, wrestling online newsletter over the weeks, um, I've read that and I saw Brock at the all heavyweight pay-per-view that UFC had. And apparently he had a meeting with Dana White, and Dana said it was the worst meeting he's ever had. He wouldn't go into details, but said that it was the worst meeting he'd ever had. And then I heard later on that Vince was pretty pissed off that Brock even went and was shown on TV and had a meeting with Dana. That's a little interesting, don't you think? Yeah. You know, I mean, what what's the deal here? Is this, is this Brock's way of trying to renegotiate things with the UFC? I mean, look. He tried. I think he was trying to talk to Dana about one more fight. Well, you know what's stupid to me? If the guy retired because he couldn't cut it in the UFC because of his, his illness, and it's a very serious illness. You know, he had parts of his intestines removed, okay? Yeah, I... I, I... I mean, I mean, let, let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say Brock's a pussy and he couldn't do it. The guy went through a life-altering disease that he still has and could come down with at any time. And it caused him a lot of grief. And being in a physical sport like UFC where it's, you know, quote-unquote not scripted and it's full contact, one wrong, you know, move, you know, I mean, he took that, that, that knee to the gut by Alistair Overeem and you could tell it obviously affected him. I mean, if the guy stays in the UFC, he's always going to be a target for everybody because everybody's going to kick him in the stomach. They know his weakness. I mean, it would be like if Superman was in a fight club and everybody had fucking kryptonite. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, they just kicked the shit out of him. And I think he was smart to retire when he did. He made some money. I don't know what his tenure or his career is going to be with the WWE, but, you know, I think that this whole move with Brock Lesnar signing with the WWE is a big embarrassment on their part because they've given him uh, what five million dollars for a year contract and he's barely even been around. I know he's got two appearances per month. To me, that's just stupid business. I know Brock's worth money to them, but there's no way I would hand over five million dollars to a guy who, first of all, says he wants to make two appearances a month, and then I've got him off TV for the next six months to sell a storyline. And then he's going to come back around WrestleMania and have a match. I just, to me, that's irresponsible. Well, I think that's just bad contract negotiations, also. So, I but mean, by the same token, anytime Vince wants him on a TV, he can pay him out of pocket. I guess, man. But I mean, what's what's the sense in bringing a guy like Brock back if you're not going to utilize him? I don't know. It just it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But again, I'm not writing creatively. I'm just one of those fucking internet smarks that doesn't know anything about the business. So, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. Obviously, I don't have a multi-million dollar company. And uh, I'm not doing fours, fives, six, seven, eights, you know, weekly on television. So what the fuck do I know? Oh, let's see what else. Same thing I know, I guess. I guess. Well, let me see. Speaking of that, Monday Night Raw's rating last week uh, was a 2.92 which actually had 4,285,000 viewers. That was up from the week previous, which was a 2.7, and 370,000 more viewers. 
and no basketball last night. That's right. So let's see. Uh, JBL has made some headlines recently. Have you heard anything about this? Yeah, he's doing some mountain climbing. Former WWE champion John Bradshaw Layfield made the headlines on TMZ, but this time around, it's for very good news, which usually when it's on TMZ, it's not. JBL, who now lives in Bermuda, will be climbing seven of the highest mountains in the world, going from one continent to another to help raise money for charity uh, called Family Center, which is based in Bermuda. Layfield was going to foot the bill of his trips. However, the WWE has stepped in and is now sponsoring his adventure, paying all seven of his climbs, as well as promoting his expedition on their social media platforms. The WWE will be paying over $250,000 to cover everything, and this mission will take JBL, JBL around three years to complete. All I have to do is not die, joke JBL. <laughs> but I'm sure he'll be fine because, you know, Trey, he is a wrestling god. Yes, he is. Silver Vision has resumed production of the WWE DVDs. Remember, we reported a story not too long ago that uh, that, that deal had stopped. Apparently, WWE's European DVD distributor Silver Vision announced that production on the new titles will be resuming after suspension upcoming titles last month. Silver Vision did not release any of the new uh, titles since the Elimination Chamber and halted all future releases while refunding anyone who made pre-orders for titles such as WrestleMania. The move sparked rumors that Silver Vision was being stripped of their license to produce DVDs and Blu-rays for Europe, Middle East, and Africa, a license they held since 1988. We'd like to thank you all for your patience and understanding over the past few weeks. Once again, you proved that you have we have the best customers in the world, uh, reads a statement from the company. So, good for them. Kudos. On August 6th, Monday Night Raw will be Shawn Michaels Appreciation Night. All right. A three-hour show that will be held in HBK's hometown of San Antonio, Texas. The show will be held at the AT&T Center, and WWE.com is already advertising HBK on its website for the event on that particular day. The WWE Hall of Famer is also scheduled to be a part of Raw, the 1,000th episode on July 23rd, reprising his DX role with Triple H for a special occasion. Could be well, interesting. Well, we already had Sting Appreciation Night. It was called Slammiversary. <laughs> well, that was just, uh, was it Sting Appreciation Night or Sting is the first inductee in our Hall of Fame night? Yeah, and I need to recur- I need to retract my, my grade from the pay-per-view and my statement that I made. And JJ said this a million times. When we're doing these pay-per-view shows, a lot of times we can't hear what's going on and what's being said. And I was under the impression that was their Hall of Fame induction because I couldn't hear what was was being said. All that was was the announcement. Because if you remember listening to my letter grade when it came time for a letter grade, I said one of the reasons why I gave it a B was because of how lackluster their Hall of Fame induction was as compared to the WWE. Well, apparently they're going to do it upright at Bound for Glory. So I apologize and retract that statement. Well, and, you know, by all rights, I mean, the way that they were leading things about, that's kind of what we all thought. So I can understand how that would have been taken out of context. So with that being said, let's go ahead and break down some more. WrestleFest DLC officially available on iTunes App Store. THQ announced a downloadable pack for the WWE WrestleFest game for the iPhone and iPad featuring two WWE legends and three current WWE superstars along with an arena. 
For just 99 cents the, and available through the Apple App Store, Hall of Famer Rowdy Roddy Piper, or as Santino calls him, Roddy the Piper. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, along with Cody Rhodes, Kane, Sin Cara, and the classic SmackDown Arena can now be downloaded for WrestleFest. A popular old game which was revived for the iOS platform was also rumored to be coming to Xbox Live and some other ports, but I haven't seen those yet. So the latest DLC pack for WrestleFest is out. If that interests you, go check it out. WWE has acquired a new movie. Deadline Hollywood is reporting that WWE Studios has acquired Interrogation a suspense thriller movie by Adam Roden. The plot revolves around a bomb that is set to go off in Las Vegas during a busy day. An interrogator is called in to grill the prime suspect. As the story progresses, it becomes clear that it's an even bigger plan in place for both of them. It's a white-knuckle ride filled with unexpected twists and turns, said WWE Studios president Michael Luizzi. My biggest fear is that John Cena will be cast in the role of the interrogator, and or the negotiator, and uh, we'll be doing some loser, loser, loser. <laughs> The guy's talking Luther. This is kind of sad for Trey. Get your get your tissues out, Trey. Okay. Rumors are going around that WWE Diva Kelly Kelly has taken a leave of absence from the WWE, oh. with some saying her return to the WWE TV might be unlikely. The former Divas champ recently signed with the Association of Talent Agents in hopes of getting additional gigs outside of her WWE duties, mainly modeling and acting. The 25-year-old Kelly, real name Barbara Blank, has been with the WWE since 2006, first working for OVW and then moving to the ECW brand before joining Raw and SmackDown a couple of years later. The Florida native has worked hard to make the transition from just eye candy to a decent wrestler and rarely missed any dates. She last appeared on WWE TV on the May 21st Raw, where she was defeated by Beth Phoenix. You okay, Trey? I don't know. I know, I know this is hard for you. I know I'm going to talk to Kevin Nash about this on Thursday because he was recently asked what they could do to really help the product, today's product, and he said they should do just three hours of Kelly Kelly. <laughs> I don't agree. But, you know, it is what it is. So... Um, as we all know, Randy Orton, uh, got suspended last week. Yeah. Big news story going around. Fucked up Barney, too. It did fuck up Barney. Uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty major thing that we covered here on Wrestling News Live last week. Orton has since talked about his suspension. Uh, he's taken to the social networks, of course, and talked about it on Twitter. That being said, Randy Orton says for the first time, or excuse me, for the first time since this is, is a, let's try this again. Take two. Buzzer. I'm not buzzing myself. Fuck that. For the first time since suspension was announced for failing his second wellness program test, Randy Orton commented on his future in a message on Twitter. When I'm able to tell you, I will. Until then, don't believe everything you read. Orton wrote replying to a fan. We can... uh, The fan basically said, uh, hopefully you come back as a heel. Orton says we can pray that he would return to television as a heel. The former WWE champion said his suspension ends on July 27th, which means he will miss the Big Raw, the 1,000th episode from his hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. This is a big, big story, guys. 
Randy Orton, arguably the number two guy behind John Cena in this company, is not looked upon very favorably right now in the WWE. I've heard things that Vince wants to fire his ass. That officials are telling Vince they want him fired. I just I don't think the future is looking bright for one Randall Keith Orton on the Raw brand. You say he's not wearing shades? <laughs> no, he's not wearing the shades. But hey, on a plus side, if he does, in fact, get future endeavored, look for Randy Orton to be the corner piece of TNA Wrestling in the very near future. Um, Chris Masters. They'd be, they'd be stupid not to take him. Oh, of course. Of course they would. Because, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's, you know, third generation wrestler. He'd be the first third generation superstar that company's ever had. And, you know, he's still young enough that he's got another 10, 15 years left in him. So he could be the corner piece of TNA. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Um, Chris Masters wrestled a dark match prior to Impact last week. Yeah, he's close to making a TNA debut. Uh, Chris Masters wrestled a dark match prior to the Impact tapings in Orlando, Florida. Masters had two stints at the WWE, one between 2005 and then 2007, and then from 2009 to 2011. He was released the first time around six days after completing his 60-day suspension for failing his second wellness program. Last year, he was released after barely making it onto the main roster for several months. Uh, getting relegated to wrestling on Superstars, he was switched to the Raw brand during the draft, but didn't even wrestle on Raw before he got his pink slip. In December, he wrestled for Rinka King in India, a promotion which was put together by TNA Wrestling. Um, here's the thing about Chris Masters. Uh, here's here's why I basically praise Chris Masters, because this is a guy that in 2005 was green as goose shit. And mm -hmm. after leaving the company in 2007, coming back two years later, was a much more accomplished, well-rounded performer. And the only thing they saw fit to do with a guy of his, uh, his caliber was to make him jobber to the stars. And I saw a lot more potential in Chris Masters uh, in that 2009 to 2011 run than I ever saw in him in 2005. He wasn't as big as he was in 2005, but he was a much better athlete. He was a much better performer in the ring. Uh, his promos had gotten better. I think it's it, it's a crying shame that they did not utilize Chris Masters in a better role before he left that company. And I think if TNA Wrestling has him, it's a feather in their cap because I think that he could be a guy you could do something with. I agree. I you know, I was expecting him to be the actual one to come out and challenge Crimson. That was my kind of dark horse pick. But that that you know what I, I know who did come out and challenge Crimson, and that's cool. But it yeah. should have been Chris Masters. Yes and no. I can see both sides of it. But then again, that that'd be a huge push for Masters to beat a guy. And I know. I, I know you did listen to all the the, the the show that night, so you probably missed my reasoning for why I was glad he came out when he came out. The reason I say that is because if they would have waited another month and they would have broken out the Bound for Glory challenge that they're going to break out here on Impact where they're going to do the tournament thing again like they did last time that was really, really good. Um, if they left a blank spot, everybody and their brother would have known it was James Storm. That's true. That's and the true. surprise would have been killed. Now, we talked about this early about WWE needing to push new stars, the guys that aren't established, uh, in, the, in the last little bit, we've seen guys like Alberto Del Rio uh, and Sheamus ascend to the top and, and become multiple-time champions. Uh, speaking of Alberto Del Rio, he is injured and will most likely miss the No Way Out pay-per-view as they've already pulled him from the card. As we know now, 
after watching Raw last night. Um, so the planned match against Sheamus at No Way Out is off the table, and he could be out for a little while. So I, it's just bad news for this company. It just seems like they're dropping like flies. And uh, Alberto's a little snake bit. He's almost got the, the Kid Anderson bug. Well, I, you know what? What I'm hearing is he didn't fully recover from that groin injury. Well, I mean, he's 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 just every bit as bad as Anderson was about coming back, getting hurt, coming back, getting hurt, coming back, getting hurt. He spent more time off camera than he spent on. Well, but at the same time, when I say he didn't recover fully from that groin injury, so he really didn't recover from that when he came back. He was still wrestling injured, and I think he felt yeah, that... Yeah, but this is a foot thing, isn't it? I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's I, I think it's a foot injury. Is it? Maybe that's just maybe that's just no, Ron Killings. No, I don't know. no, I think you're wrong. You're, you're thinking of Ron Killings. Let me look at this up. Uh, da, 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 da. Believes he suffered a concussion at the SmackDown tapings. Oh, okay. Well, the so, concussion's a long way away from a groin. Well, you know what? A concussion is pretty serious. Yeah, but I mean, that's not a lingering thing from his not being fully healed. Well, that's true too. You know, that's just another addition to the injury line. Here is a here's a major major story that I want to cover really quickly. It's major to me because I'm a fan of this. It's probably going to be major to Trey because he's a fan of it. What's that? The WWE has purchased the Mid-South Wrestling Video Library. Yeah! Finally. P. Finally. Bill Watts sold that motherfucker. Well, it wasn't Bill Watts. It was his wife. P. Windsor is reporting that WWE just got their hands on another huge video library, which was owned by Bill Watts' ex-wife. The library has footage of Mid-South Wrestling, Mid-South Power Pro Wrestling TV, and the original UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation. UWF was the bit. UWF was the baddest shit I've ever watched. It was awesome. I mean, bad like badass. UWF, man, it had everybody. It was it was fucking great. This will be a major addition to the WWE Network and WWE's overall video library. The company is already well over one hundred thousand hours in footage from their several video collections. They own, obviously, all of the WWE, WCW, ECW, along with the AWA, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, uh, World Class Championship Wrestling, and many other defunct promotions. Uh, Got to be honest, man. I'm hoping they, they do a Best of Mid-South DVD here in the near future because I want to go back and relive the days of Iceman King Parsons and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Skandar Akbar, I, that that to me is very appealing. I can't wait to see that. The Junkyard Hot stuff, Dog, Gilbert, Missy yes, Hyatt. yes, Sting, Doctor Death, Terry Gordy. You know, I just realized something. What's that? Alberto Del Rio is more limited time only than the Del Nacho Taco from uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, leave it to Trey to get racial up in this piece. Just something that came to mind. And uh, for those of you that might have missed it, Steve Austin's back on television. That's right. What? What? Steve Austin back on TV as the host of Redneck Island. WWE Hall of Famer returned to television to host a new reality TV show called Redneck Island on Country Music Television. The show airs at 10 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays, featuring 12 rednecks stuck in the uninhibited island as they battle each other for a prize of $100,000. That buys a lot of beer, by the way. That's a lot of beer in Copenhagen. A lot of beer, a lot of Copenhagen, a lot of wife beaters. you damn right. James Storm and I should have been on that show as a tag team. <laughs> the show is being billed as Survivor for Rednecks to compete with challenges and an, elimin- <laughs> an elimination of a teammate at the end of each episode. <laughs> I'll be on that motherfucker. 
Oh, Redneck Island. I, I haven't seen this show, but I got to check. What do you got to do? You got to drink some fucking beer, and you got to eat some fucking shit that you killed out on the the open range, and cook it up. Fucking, I can, I do that shit anyway. It's not on Redneck Island. Stone Cold Steve Austin drives over an armadillo. And the objective here is that each team has to try and make roadkill stew from that armadillo. God damn, he just ran that shit over. It's game. Let's take that motherfucker home. Don't call stew. that shit roadkill. We call it stew. That's some good fucking eats right there. Damn right it is. Look at that. Motherfucker ain't even all over the fucking road. Still got lots of plus, meat in this bitch. Plus the theme song for Redneck Island is TNA's Long Necks and Rednecks. Is it? I thought it was the Benny Hill theme, but never mind. Well, Long Necks and Rednecks are my friend. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. If you missed Slammiversary, you missed something. That's Deliverance, by the way. That is Deliverance. And from where me and Trey are from, that's Deliverance is considered a love story. Yeah, that, and that's the national song of the state. Ding, 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 ding. Um, if you missed Slammiversary, you missed Damn something on. rare in the wrestling business. For one night only, you saw a WWE champion, the Intercontinental Champion to be exact, Christian, show up live on pay-per-view to basically talk about the number one moment in the history of TNA, which was the signing of Sting. Christian Cage appeared to his music, was brought out by Hulk Hogan, and uh, basically told the fans to give themselves a standing ovation for keeping the company alive for the last 10 years and announced the number one moments. They went to the video package and then you never saw Christian again. They went straight to a AJ and Angle Kazarian video package and it was kind of awkward. I think that was a fuck up. That was a big sure. fuck up. So, but uh, you don't normally see a WWE wrestler show up on TNA television unless they've jumped ship. Apparently this was all part of the big plan uh, that both TNA and the WWE agreed to when they allowed Ric Flair to be inducted for the second time at the Hall of Fame at WrestleMania. So there, there you, go. you go. And I know that fanboys all over the world were like, what the fuck is Christian doing on fucking TNA? He's jumped I, ship. He's I got back. goosebumps when he came out. It was pretty cool. It was a, it was a very good you know, flashback moment. Kind of was. So we talked about this earlier. Sting is officially going to be inducted as the first member of the TNA Hall of Fame. And why is that happening? Trey and I have a theory. He is bolting for the door come this October. He's out of there. I think after he's inducted in the Hall of Fame, he'll leave after Bound for Glory, and I think he's going to try to do one run in the WWE. Which is which is fantastic news, because I could see Sting being a special attraction. They might do something with him, give him a nice little one-year run. They asked Russo in that DVD, uh, because he's such close friends with, with Sting, how close was he to going? And he says, so close you don't even realize. He said, uh, matter of fact, he said, I was under the impression that the deal was done. And uh, the only thing after it fell through, when talking to Sting on why it fell through, was the WWE wanted too many dates. Well, if you could give Brock Lesnar fucking 35 dates in a year, you could give fucking Sting something similar. I mean, he doesn't have to work every show. He doesn't have to work house shows. Just give him a fucking, you're on Raw every week. Yeah, I think he's going to WWE for one small run. I think so, too. And Trey brought this up earlier with Dana White having a meeting with Lesnar. Says it was the worst ever. Uh, video interview from Fuel's UFC TV tonight with Dana White revealed some details from the meeting that uh, Dana White had with Brock Lesnar at the last UFC pay-per-view in Las Vegas. 
The meeting we had didn't really go well, White said, calling it the worst meeting he'd ever had with Brock. When pressed to elaborate on why it was so bad, White didn't explain. He just said it was really bad, and he hasn't spoken to Lesnar since that night. Lesnar is known to be pretty hard in meetings, wanting control in almost everything he does, but it looks like the UFC this time didn't find a compromise with the former heavyweight champion. White was excited when Lesnar showed up at the pay-per-view, and the post-fight press conference entertained the idea that Lesnar might be back to fight despite his retirement last December from the UFC. Again, I don't see how you retire from a company then go back and say, okay, I'm back. What can you do with me? Yeah. Give me a shot. That's what I want. And uh, that's going to do it for the news of the week. Sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. And due to the fact we have so much news and I was so long-winded with my Russo segment, we got to wrap this thing up so I can get to work. This is true. We do. So I guess no phone calls tonight, but I will check to see if we have any emails. I think we have one or two to get to. And then we'll just wrap it up. Does that sound right. cool? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, give me just a second here. Talk about I just yourself. got a text. It looks like I am going to get my truck tomorrow. I'll be goddamned. Thank God. 97 Chevy short wide black. Brand new big ass tires. And it looks slick as hell. Well, you know, speaking of that, I actually got my car back uh, over the weekend. Oh, did you? Yeah, for those of you that don't know, I, I recently had some issues with my car. The uh, I had the brakes done on the front, and they're fine. But I noticed there was still grinding in the brakes, and it turned out it was my back brakes. So you've got, like, the big disc brakes in the back. And right. what happened was the metal was on the metal, and it was just squealing every time I would, you know, come to a halt. That, and I also had a problem with my uh, with my cooling fan in the engine. It yeah. just it stopped working, and it's it's been like yeah, that for two that. years. So in the wintertime, it's not a big deal because it never overheats. But when it gets to be pretty hot, that's when we, we have a problem. So I knew that I was going to have to get that worked on and uh, put, put the car in the shop and got all the problems taken care of. And, you know, luckily it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. It was, you know. Good. I'm glad you got your car back. Pretty standard. The car's running great, so I'm, I'm happy. I don't have to drive my father-in-law's car anymore, which is nice. I put two tires on the back of mine today, and the guy said, well, you need two front tires. I said, yeah, and if I wasn't selling to some bitch, I'd put them on there, but I'm getting rid of this car this week. <laughs> nice. Let's see. Da, 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 da. All right, we do have some emails. So let's go ahead and hit the sounder, read them, and get the fuck out of Dodge. Hello, everybody. Hello, Sierra. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. I've always really wanted to do this. What, I have received an email. Of course you have an email, you idiot. Just read it. Cool. With that being said, no, thank JS you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for everybody God, that participates in the forum. Now, how does that do that when I move that all the way to the end and there's nothing it after it? It does it. It just does it. That makes, no, that, that makes no sense because this is in the middle. It has nothing to do with what I just did. What the fuck? What the? F okay, I'm, I'm about to fucking lose it. You just having Winamp ghosts. I I'm having Winamp ghosts. Fuck this. Anyway, let's go to the emails. This is from Andy. So hey, this is Andy from Bolton, England. I'm a regular archive listener, so I apologize if you already covered this. Did you notice when McMahon came to the ring at the start of Raw? Cole says we haven't seen him since October, when he relieved Triple H of his GM duties and put Laurinaitis in charge. Now, I'm almost 100% sure that 
Laurinaitis was the one that did that, and the last time we saw Vince was when Triple H fired him. Anyways, my thoughts on Raw. Didn't really care about Fat-Ass beating up Mr. Wang. Fat-Ass Wang. You, you put the two together there. Um, enjoying what's going on with the CM Punk, Kane, Bryan, and AJ. We'll make my prediction now. AJ helps Daniel Bryan win back the title. Good fatal four-way match. Was good. It was mainly between Ziggler and Christian. I do enjoy watching Ryback, but I would like to see him involved in a feud. Maybe be the one time. Me. Yeah, maybe be the one time to stand up to Big Show after he takes out Cena at No Way Out. Thought it was great seeing Vader. The final segment was okay, but was supposed to be about Laurinaitis getting his job review. Not all about the Cena Big Show match. And I got to congratulate you on the move to Tuesdays. It also means I don't have to stay up till after 4 a.m. on a Monday night uh, to send an email about Raw. Keep up the great work, guys. We, we shall. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, this one comes to us from Blue Mystery. Hey, guys, Blue Mystery here. First off, I want to say I heard some great news this week, how exciting this is. The WWE has purchased the Mid-South Collection. How crazy is it that my last two emails were about Mid-South Wrestling? Just saying. Uh, laugh out loud. Vince must watch the show. Maybe not live, but archived. Anyways, now I want to talk about something else. WWE 13. Can't wait. Two things from No Mercy I wish they would get is the Royal Rumble, where you can have pinfalls or at least bring back the slobber knocker mode. Another I would like is the option where you can change your hair color or you can make your wrestler bald, not to mention one more thing backstage wrestling where you can pin in the area backstage. Okay, one more subject before I close. When Jim Ross was announcing they had 5.0s, Michael Cole was not even getting above a 4.0. Coincidence? I don't think so, Vince. If you want to fire anyone else, fire Cole. Please, for the love of wrestling, fire Cole. Okay, until next time, the mystery is out of here. Oh, yeah, great job, everyone on the network. Okay, I'm out. Peace. Peace. And it seemed like there was another one here. Da, 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 da. Okay, here it is. Last one. This one's from Nate. Just want to touch on one thing I saw last night, and I know you guys are already going to be all over this by the time you read the emails, but I want to say the feeling I got seeing Vader come out put me in a time capsule, and I instantly thought, here is a legit big bad monster that I just want to uh, put up against anybody like Ryback. WWE are trying to build up this level Vader that build up to the level Vader was in his day. And after seeing Big Show in the cage match earlier, what the fuck? Okay. And after seeing Big Show in the cage match earlier, I had a hard time deciding who would go over up until Cena came out and they had an altercation in the ring with Vince and John. Big Show hits Vince and I had no doubt in my mind where WWE goes wrong with me. When it comes to builds, I put it down to these ridiculous segments that stopped me from revisiting that feeling. I used to get when I was absorbed to the product times past. Anyways, thanks, Trey and JJ, for the great shows I get to hear. I try to be there live as often as I can, but most times I'm on the road working for you guys, uh, and I keep on the Android. Keep up the great work. I know how hard it is to do what you guys do because I'm trying my hand at it myself. Peace, Nate. So. Peace out. Appreciate that, Nate, man. Thanks for the thanks for the kind words. And uh, I would I think that truthfully, I think that if you're gonna have Vader, uh, you should use him for more than once. I'd like to see Vader come out and uh, accept like an open challenge. I think Ryback should come out and say, "I'm tired of beating up these jobbers. Give me a real challenge." And you put Vader in there. And by beating Vader, even though he's an older guy, he's a little bit slower than he used to be you're kind of giving Ryback a little more legitimacy than the two jobbers. 
because Vader was a certifiable monster back in his day. Right. But uh, that's just my two cents on it. So on that note, you got any final words before we get out of here? Oh, not really. Just make sure you tune in oh. to all the other shows on the network. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, a busy day coming up on Thursday. I will be interviewing Robert Rude. He will be on the following show. Um, so he'll be on. Robert Rude will be our guest next week on the show. It'll be a pre-recorded interview. Unfortunately, that's the best I can do. Um, I'm also stepping in for Crowley and interviewing Kevin Nash a little bit later on that night for the next episode of running the ropes. So Kevin Nash and the trade dog part two. Very cool. Uh, yeah, definitely check out all the shows on the network. And once I have everything, uh, finalized with the redebut of unplugged, I'll let you guys know, but, uh, definitely give props to everybody beyond the bell with Sean Beckerman, uh, the elite force podcast, walkie mind wipe, Chuck W, uh, running the ropes with, with Crelly Maverick this week is going to be Trey. Um, you know, even the guys over at Y, Sean, Ashley over at the Open Book. I mean, you know, just I, I'm so proud of the the talent that we have on this network. The guys that uh, that you know give their time to to bring you guys a little bit of entertainment. So definitely keep checking them out, and uh, you know they appreciate you for it, and we appreciate you for it. I want to address one real quick thing. I've been telling you that there was a, a new show coming to the network. Um, I was wrong. Uh, between the ropes was going to come to the network. Then they weren't going to be on the network. Then they were going to be on the network. And at the end of the day, they decided to just use Rick Hendrickson as the producer. And uh, basically they're using all of the technology and everything that is at our disposal to help them do their show, but they are not officially joining the network. So if you, you know, a couple of weeks goes by, and you say, what were you talking about with that show? Well, there you have it. I was misinformed. And that's the way it goes in the wrestling business. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, like I said, man, we're, we're on a roll. We're, we continue to grow, and uh, you know we're going to keep growing. So we got some other surprises in line for you, possible. So yeah, And, and I hate that I'm not going to be a part of that Bobby Roode interview this week. But uh, Me too. But I know you'll do a good job. I will try my best to represent. Uh, you'll do fine, man. You did great tonight with Joey Ryan, so I have no no, no doubts at all that you're going to do a fantastic job with Mr. Bobby Roode. We'll see how much time he gives me, because we're going to start with Team Canada and work our way up. There you go. On that note, we're going to kick it over to JSK and then go to our Song of the Night. So, guys, it's been fun. It's been real, but, uh, well, it ain't been real fun. We'll talk to you next week. Cool. With that being said, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for everybody uh, that participates in the forum boards, and thanks for everybody participating in the chat room. Until next week, peace, 420, kiss my ass. Good night, white people. I'm out. Hey, this ain't George Strait fucking with the blue jeans on. You never sang it, bitch. I have to write it first. You put the boom boom into my heart. You said my soul sky high when you love me. Wake me up, you fucking ho-ho Don't leave me hanging on the light of your Wake me up, you fucking ho-ho I don't wanna miss it when you hit that high Wake me up, before you go-go Cause I'm not planning on going solo 
wake me up, you fucking oh oh oh. Stop sleeping with my best friend. I got the chorus for you next time. We'll change your life. All right. Out of my way, you make the sun shine brighter than the darkest day. Turn the bright spark into a flame. My beats burning and never been the same. You're my lady, I'm your fool. It makes me crazy when you act so cool. Come on, baby, let's not fight. We'll go dancing. Wake me up, wake me up. Go wrong home. Leave me hanging on the line. Wake me up, you're in the wrong hole. Don't wanna miss when you hear that. Wake me up before you go go, 'cause I'm not planning on going solo. Wake me up before you go go. Take me dancing tonight. I'm literally watching the video. I mean, the color scheme in this is awesome. I'm fucking dead, but I should have been fucking with it instead. Bronx says he has cream in his eye. I'm kind of worried about that. I'm gonna be joking a little bit at first. Dancing. If you know, he'll end up jacking off in a theater. You know, by judging, I'm telling you, Trey, judging on this video, I don't know how people didn't know George Michael was gay before he came out of the closet. I mean, the pink and yellow and fucking blue outfit that he's wearing. But in dude, this. that was that was the shit back in the early 80s. Oh, I know. I, early 80s, even the late 80s, man. I'm just I, glad I was a kid during all that and had no, no choice to be a kid. I couldn't, you know. There was no wild clothing when I was a kid, you know. Well, I didn't like the clothing, but I liked the music back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm a big 80s fan, but I think my favorite genre is the, the 90s grunge. Yeah, I figured as much. All right, with that being said, guys, we're out of here. Goodbye. Peace out, bitches. Astronaut. Live is not affiliated with the WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, or any other professional wrestling and or entertainment companies and exclusive to the SNS Radio Network.